Facts with Adam Curry for August 1st, 2020. This is episode number 45. Hello, Mo. How you doing? I'm doing well, Adam. How about yourself? Yeah, doing real good. I am so proud of us. Here we are, Saturday, doing another show. It will drop on time. Can you believe it? I can't, actually. I'm in a groove. I'm in my routine, so uh, I'm a routine person, so here we are. Very good. This is uh, a value-for-value value show, which means you will not be interrupted by corporate messages or any commercials. Later on, I'll be thanking the actual executive and associate executive producers and the, the rest of the producers who have uh, supported the show. And you're along for the ride, no matter what way you're looking at it. It's value-for-value. Value. We hope to bring you some. And, uh, well, can we get straight into the topic or uh, what else we got to do? I have nothing to do, but you do. (laughs) Here we go. I'm going to roll it up for number 45, Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Let's find out what the topic is. This is the big wheel of topics where it stops. Nobody knows. Of course, no does. Mo knows. And the topic for episode 45 will be 45 Savage is the actual term. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 45 <laughs> Savage, which uh, I learned on uh, the last show that this is uh, this is now the official uh, MoFax name for uh, the 45th president. Yes, Mr. Donald uh, J. Trump. Uh, it's all the appropriate that we talk about him one year later, if people are not in the know. Yes, we, we say, you know, I, I forgot to say, although I did text you. Uh, yesterday yep. on the 31st you know happy first anniversary that's you know what an achievement we've done quite well i think we did pretty good and it's, it's, it's these numbers man 45 lines up one in one year that is interesting, uh, and it? and it brings us back around because i don't think if it was for 45 savage this show might not exist <laughs> yeah, possible the 45 savage definitely made some things discussable <laughs> that's for sure and by the way um after the uh, after the the last show, I did register forty five savage dot com. Did you see that? No, I, I didn't know that. But that's I, <laughs> if, if if you type in forty five savage dot com, you go right to MoFax. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I can maybe redirect it to this episode. Uh, depending, I guess we're going to talk about forty five. Uh, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to start. <clears throat> With uh, where we picked off, picked up uh, last episode with forty four, and then we'll see the uh, beef between forty four and forty five. Okay, I'm loving it. All right, let's jump into number two then. Roger Stone was a longtime political advisor to Trump. He has since been convicted of lying to Congress. Trump understands among Republicans, there's a very substantial majority who have questions about Obama's origins and how he just pops up out of nowhere to become a national figure and whether he was, in fact, eligible to serve as president. We thought that Trump needed an issue that resonates with people. The birth certificate meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Overall, it talked about how Obama was different. He was a different kind of person. He was a Manchurian-type candidate. Ah, now we're getting into the really good (laughs) stuff. Yes, the true origins of the birtherism conspiracy. I like it. Yeah, and and I want to say this. This This could be perceived as probably the most racist thing Donald Trump has done or could do. 
what we're going to talk about the motive in this show uh-huh. um and if it was really um pr- expected to be racist or we're going to see what the reasoning behind this but i want to say as a so-called black person this was probably you know just the perception of it that somebody wins and then you try to disqualify them right the the narrative behind that is what really landed wrong and probably makes a lot of so-called black people not like Donald Trump to this day. Because they've been told that this was a, a Trump invention, and obviously he uh, he went after it, that's for sure. That was that was his main yeah. deal. And we both know, uh, and I'm sure a lot of our producers know, that this was a Democratic invention, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> as Roger Stone said in the clip, he's the one that brought it to the, you know, the mainstream media. And, you know, became the face of the birth of the movement. But I just want to set, set up. Um, this is where the real beef started between uh, Obama and Trump. Oh, yeah. This was this 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 was the this is the whole thing between them. And, you know, saying, in a, in a, you know, in a ball of wax. So <laughs> it is the ball of a, wax. Definitely. Yeah. That's why I didn't cover it last show, because this is transition of power. You got these two forces pulling in opposite directions. Uh, on one side, you have, uh, as we laid out, Marxist forces pulling on uh, 44, and then you have an ultra-conservative, um, not Trump himself. I don't see him as being ultra-conservative, but it's he's been enlisted oh, yeah. with, by with a, a group very, of people. Very to be the, ultra-conservative group of people, absolutely, yeah. Right, um, so we have to investigate this transition from 44 to 45 so i think this is a good point so i guess we can get in 1.2 they released the person trump was thinking of running against obama in 2012 he made himself the face of the birther movement why doesn't he show his birth certificate? I, I think he probably he have to? because I have to, and everybody else has to. Whoopi, I'm sure. Why you can't he show? show excuse me. Uh, why? No, excuse me. I really believe there's a birth certificate. Why? Look, she's smiling. Why doesn't he show his birth certificate? Right. How's that? Right. 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 Any white president asked to be shown the birth certificate when you become a president. You are not allowed to be a president if you're not born in this country. He may not have been born in this country. And I'm that was the racist manifestation of resistance to the president. Donald Trump was at the forefront of it. I think it it, it rankled uh, President Obama because the birther stuff was just a pure racism slash xenophobia, and it was based in nothing. More than 40 percent of the population still question whether he's actually an American or not. Obama had already released his birth certificate during the presidential campaign, but the issue wouldn't go away. Obama was furious. It wasn't Trump. It was the media. If, if Trump couldn't get booked on all those shows, right. he'd just be some another whack job, you know, tweeting about conspiracy theories and maybe getting booked on Fox. Uh, he's a Donald Trump is a creation of the American political news media. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Mo. Um, yes. When this came up, and I'm sure you were aware of it. I'm sure. I'm sure. In 2012, you were you were hearing about yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Um, was there any feeling of irony that, okay, here's a guy going after um, a legal matter, which is deemed to be racist? Um, I don't think he ever said, hey, this black man can't be can't be a true American. Um, but at the same time, even by the data that 
we were given, he's not ADOS. Was there that feeling but, of irony at that time? For for me, yeah, for you. yes. Okay. But you have to rewind and look at it through the lens of people really didn't look at Barack Obama as not being ADOS. Right. Okay. I mean, that he was kind of, uh, you know, grafted in. Uh, and we talked about that on, on the last show. Right. The, like I said, the real problem is you had a... It's like a boxing match, right? Yeah, you got you the, have you one got the guy big beat white the guy. other guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, he's you know, it's you know, um, there's talk of uh, using uh, performance enhancing drugs, or uh, was he dirty, or <laughs> right, that right, kind of right, thing. Right. So he cheated. That's what, right? That's yeah. what really rubbed black people the wrong way because you tried to disqualify uh, Obama, and that's why I said this is. This is a non-starter to even discuss this, but it plays an important part in what we're going to discuss later of this, for lack of a better word, match mm-hmm. that was set up by the media, no. <laughs> as, yes. as you heard in the last exactly. clip. Exactly, exactly. I will say this. Trump wanted no parts of Obama in 2012. He know he couldn't be Obama. He could say that, oh, yeah, I would think about running or, you know, he knew he couldn't be Obama. He was smart enough not to. Not to pursue it, but uh, to set himself yeah. up, obviously. Yep. He, he was setting himself up because he knew Hillary was next. He knew she was a weak candidate. So it was like a uh, proxy war, right? I'm going to have war on Obama to set up for uh, 2016. Yes. And this was, uh, to me, it's always been a very intentional move. So absolutely. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and, and it's one of the things Donald Trump is always great at that. He'll pick out a topic to talk about. That way he can come back and slam you later. And we see this with Kaylee, right? I mean, yeah. they pick out these certain <laughs> these certain topics where you, when it gets to the mainstream, it's like, but what about this? And yeah. they'll point yeah. to some evidence. But this one, so, but, to reach the but audience. Just, but ahead. just to be clear, mm-hmm. the searching for the birth certificate was only deemed racist because of the the color of Obama's skin. Correct. There was, there was, and, and, there, and that that that's to me is what's so interesting. He never said I got to check this guy because his, the color of his skin um he had a a weird story which was the problem, but it was immediately by the media countered as racist. And I think yeah, that's Yeah, because set race sales. I mean, that's I mean, I mean yeah, they, the yeah. media saw it as we can pit a white man against a black man that are very powerful and it'll be great for ratings. That's <laughs> yes. why they gave Trump all the air. It wasn't just Fox News. No, no, it was uh, everybody. It was CBS, everybody ABC, was NBC, in on it, right? Yeah. Everybody was in on it because they were like, this is a sensational story to cover just for sheer ratings. And just, just as, and, a, as, as a little bit of backstory, yeah. maybe you'll come back to that. But the actual rumor that mm-hmm. started with the Democrats was started by Hillary Clinton's campaign managers at the time. They started it. I'm sorry, goggles, or is it okay for me to no, say No, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's, it's perfectly okay for you yeah. to say that because that is the truth, but it's one thing about doing the work <laughs> yes. is you're going to realize certain conversations are not even worth having. Right. Because so, they're so going to derail. So, yeah, exactly. So saying that is not worth it, but it's good information for people to have. No, it's good information for you to have, but it's if you're trying to work past something. That's not. It's not, like you know what? It's yeah. not even worse. <laughs> it's not a because starter. you're you're not going to take Obama out of office. I mean, nobody's going to walk into the White House like you don't belong here because of right. your birth certificate. So it was a non-starter. But I will say this: 
it was used by both sides, as you're going to hear in the next two clips, for their purpose. Mm-hmm. One with Trump, he was setting up for 2016. Yes. And Obama, well, let's just listen to 3.1 to see how Obama used it. Obama reluctantly released more proof of his citizenship. Now, as many of you have been briefed, uh, we provided additional information today about uh, the site of my birth. This thing just kept on going. Yes, in fact, I was born in Hawaii, August 4th, 1961, in Kapi'olani Hospital. We've posted the certification that is given by the state of Hawaii. Three days later, it was time for payback. The president uses the White House Correspondents' Dinner that year with Donald Trump in the room to completely ridicule Donald Trump in front of this audience that, you know, that, you know, journalists and lobbyists and government officials and and people who at that time Trump wanted to have the respect of. All right, everybody, please have a seat. Donald Trump is here tonight. No one is happier. No one is prouder to put this birth certificate matter to rest to ban the Donald. And that's because he can finally get back to focusing on the issues that matter. Like, did we fake the moon landing? <laughs> that, and the fact that that was done at the Washington uh, Correspondents' Dinner was dynamite because the footage belonged to everybody and everybody was in the room. It was. It, it was. And it was. It was. And it was. Obama obliterated him. He did, and it was set up perfectly because here's Trump under a spotlight. It seemed like uh, it was coming down on him, and Obama's behind, you know, the uh, on his own stage behind the mic, and he's just grilling Trump. And then you see this look on Trump's face, like uh-huh, uh-huh. I've never been talked to before, like this. And not can't lash out, right? And by and the way, you, like, you, could, fi- you, could, on his you could fill in the blank. Like, I here's the thought bubble some people saw. I've never been mm-hmm. talked to like that, especially not by a black man. I mean, you can see people of, thinking that. Of course, that. It was that, was, that was the beautiful. That was the extent of like how people spun it, yep. and that may be even be his case. But I don't, I don't think Donald Trump would let anybody. That's why I didn't make the race uh, distinction. I don't think Donald Trump would let anybody talk to him like that because of just his personality makeup, which we're going to look into deeper mm-hmm. as we did with um, uh, Barack Obama on 44. Yeah. <clears throat> but what we have to do is we have to look at this. Now, this is just my conspiracy theory. I think this whole Bertha thing was a limited hangout for somebody to latch on to, be it the Republicans, and then be made look like fools. Because if we say what we laid out in the last show Barack Obama coming from the intelligence uh, apparatus, mm-hmm. uh, being a product of uh, George Poppy Bush, um, yep. he could have had a perfectly legit uh, birth certificate if they wanted him to have one. But uh-huh. they throw out first of all, first of all, they throw out this short. I never heard of a short form, <laughs> short form, short, yeah, uh, birth short form birth certificate. Yeah, that was kind of. I don't even know what that is. And it was, then it's it was like, kind of insu- so you, it was kind of insulting. Really, it wasn't really any proof of anything. Right, but then you you lay that out there as like bait 
for people to look into. I, I, I and then like it's like, this, yeah, I like this concept. So what if, since it originated in the Hillary campaign, that's that was the limited hangout. That pro- that could have been bait. Maybe she was also thinking ahead to twenty sixteen. Hey, let's oh no, mi- but maybe she, maybe they were expecting her to take the bait, but she didn't because she's savvy with the intelligence agencies. Uh, that's my. Let me just go. let me just complete my because yeah, like they I'm had sorry. it all yep. teed up, but they know how it would land. Like right, she's like I've been around black people long enough <laughs> uh, to know this. <laughs> this, is, this is not going to work. It's not a good idea, right? But Trump coming along, he needs to make a splash. So it's like, okay, I'll take the heat. Uh, he maybe even he, he believed it. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't believe it, but if, even if he didn't believe it, it's like this allowed me to make a splash with the yeah with the, uh, constituents with, that I want to make a splash with, and the media being complicit, they'll help me. Right, but I don't think he planned for what he got on that night <laughs> with Obama. <laughs> that was that was, and they had that profile shot of him. And it's, yes. it, it, it was just it, it was a beautiful shot. You could just see his hair kind of melting a little on bit. Fire. It was like on fire. <laughs> it was on fire. You're right. It was on fire. That was beautiful. But I don't think Obama realized what the consequences was going to be for poking, a, you know, poking the bear, a billion dollar bear. Right. Because billionaires have a sense of some i'm not gonna say all but because um but they have a sense of i'll crush my competition yes and certainly this and one. let's just let uh what we stop at 3.1 yeah. let's go into three let's go into 3.2 to explain that uh, concept you mr trump recognize that the real problem was a lack of leadership and so ultimately you didn't blame little john or meatloaf <laughs> you fired gary Busey. <laughs> And these are the kind of decisions that would keep me up at night. (laughs) Well handled, sir. Well handled. But it just kept going and going, and he just kept hammering him. And I thought, oh, Barack Obama is starting something that I don't know if he'll be able to finish. Say what you will about uh, Mr. Trump. He certainly would bring some change to the White House. Let's see what we've got up there. I think that is the night that he resolves to run for president. I think that he is kind of motivated by it. Maybe I'll just run. Maybe I'll show them all. Every critic, every detractor will have to bow down to President Trump. It's everyone who's ever doubted Donald, whoever disagreed, whoever challenged him. It is the ultimate revenge to become the most powerful man in the universe. Yeah. A big F you. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I think that you now we have to start looking at Trump is a very sensitive person and not in the nice term, but he highly anything you say to him, he has to fire back ten times harder. Yes. Uh, and I think this lit the fire under him to really I think he was always gonna run in twenty sixteen. Uh, maybe he'd have ran and you know um, got a few percentage points, but when he had he what he thinks his so called peers laughing at him <laughs> and his detractors laughing at him in a room, and you have this guy up here just beating the hell out of you with the you know what I'm saying with the microphone, 
I right. think this is what really made him take the 2016 uh, campaign serious. And at this point in his uh, in his own personal career, he had quite a lot of uh, audience understanding under his belt with um, uh, with the TV show. Uh, yeah, with, the Apprentice. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean he, he really, I mean, he really was, understood how audiences respond and how it works with the marketing of the show, and he understands. He understood television very, very well. And it's one brand of television that he understood very well. That's just a little teaser where we're going uh, in the show. But before we get there, we have to look at the personality of Donald Trump and ask the question: Is he a narcissist? Donald Trump's narrative is that he's a self-made Superman who's smarter and better educated than everybody else. But a new book from his own niece suggests what everyone but his base has already figured out. He's a fraud. I have no problem calling Donald a narcissist. He meets all nine criteria as outlined in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. But the label gets us only so far. Mary Trump also portrays her uncle as a traumatized rich kid with daddy issues, calling him a clinical narcissist. His personality served his father's purpose. That's what sociopaths do. They co-opt others and use them toward their own ends, ruthlessly and efficiently, with no tolerance or dissent for, for dissent or resistance. By limiting Donald's access to his own feelings and rendering many of them unacceptable, Fred perverted his son's perception of the world and damaged his ability to live in it. It's always so nice to see uh, television hosts uh, doing... Uh psychological analysis with the dsm4 manual next to them well if they if they can do it we can do it oh um, so yes indeed <laughs> we can okay let's just oh, let's oh, but i want to say this i think this is the real i'm gonna say this before we get into the nine signs of um a narcissism i think this is the ist that's the ist that we really should be paying attention to not the other ist the uh, that's labeled that's Trump hit labeled with. Oh, the uh, R is versus the end the, the narcissist. Yes, okay. which you can't spell uh, racist. I mean, can't spell narcissist without racist <laughs> in a weird way. No, but, I, um, I like that very. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, but I, I think that Trumps because if no pun intended there, but I think it Trumps the racism because we'll start to look at. If you're self-serving, <laughs> you'll step on anybody to get what you want. Yes. Uh, and I think that's what's misconstrued about Mr. Donald J. Trump. Um, and as she said in that, um, one more thing before we get into the, the little game we're going to play. Uh, they said Trump had daddy issues. So this is one of those things where I am what you, I say you are. Yes, projection, uh, total projection. <laughs> because it's the thought is that feminist and people that don't like the patriarchy have daddy issues mm -hmm. so now they flip this thing right back around and saying trump is a very fragile person because of way the way his dad uh brought him up mm. so now we have daddy's issues being we talked about daddy issues last show yes <laughs> with the dad not yes. being there right now we have the uh domineering the, father yeah, the abusive dad. uh and I want people to understand this is why we talk about the patriarchy and why a healthy father-child uh, relationship is so important. Yes. <laughs> because if it's non-existent or <laughs> or, if, or if it's toxic, abusive or toxic. Yeah. And, and, and this, yeah. Is, this is not some discovery we've made, by the way. 
No, no, it's not. It's just that we just reinforced that with uh, the characters that that play out in our everyday lives in the media. Yeah. So with that said, would you like to play uh, Signs of a Narcissist? Yes. Okay. So I guess how this works is we listen to a, a clue, then we decide if it's correct or not. Is that the idea? Yes, we go down to nine signs that okay. uh, that um, Miss Reed alluded to okay. in, in in the DSM. All right, and, and, and you we'll tell give it a me rating. if it's true or not true. Or okay. all right, all right, <laughs> all right. Here we go. Uh, uh, running it down. Uh, we start with sign number one. The signature characteristics of many personality disorders can be quite unpleasant, such as the case of narcissistic personality disorder. Interacting with an MPD sufferer can be confusing, frustrating, and even hurtful. The MPD individual will often overlook or ignore many of these traits that make them unlikable. Here are nine signs which may be a result of narcissism. 1. Instead of listening, they're wrapped up in their own opinion. Instead of listening, they're wrapped up in their own opinion. What do you think? Well, I've seen uh, I've seen the president in uh, when he does like a listening session with people, and he'll bring in mm-hmm. either companies or or individuals. Whenever I see him in a in a big now, it's usually when he's either about to now, announce something or wants to announce something, and he does seem to listen. Um, but that's only in those cases. So I'm I don't know. I'm I'm. Uh, do you have a, a what do you think i think you're 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 exactly right it depends on his setting and we noticed this with trump depending on his audience <laughs> we, we get a different reaction so i would right. say that's true <laughs> but not there's some leeway there okay so depending on his audience so we get a that's true and uh we, yes. we get a this is all wrong a little bit all wrong Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'll let you control the signs and we'll just keep rolling. That okay. Way. All right. Here we go with number two. Two. They tend to cheat in relationships. Narcissists <laughs> feel they're treasures that are too good for anyone. Bring this attitude into a relationship and you have lightning waiting to strike. Cheating is often a way for narcissists to build their ego. That's wrong. I think that that in general, I think he's very loyal to people. Um, yes, he's had multiple uh, marriages, but that you know doesn't necessarily mean that he's a, a, a serial cheater. You wow, see- I, I think we're. Uh, I think we see Trump through two different prisms. Are we looking at two different people? Well, yeah, so, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> depends on where you see him, but yeah, of course. If I at face value, yes, he's cheated on. Well, he's cheated on at least one wife that we know of. We don't know why. I, and he when broke I say relationships, I'm not talking about just romantic relationships, right? But I'm, I'm talking but about I, business relationships. You know, you hear the stories about him and contractors. <laughs> it's like, sue me. <laughs> you know? uh, so I think that's very true. Yes, I'm, you're right. I'm going to give you a. True. I'm going to give you. A, <laughs> I'm going to give you a. That's true for that one. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm in on that. Let's go. Right. To, let's go to number three. Three. They constantly need to be admired. If you've seen a narcissist, maybe you've seen that they almost swagger. 
oozing conceit and arrogance with every breath. They may look like they possess tremendous confidence, but it's not enough. They need constant admiration. The delusion of always being entitled to admiration is why people around them often find themselves emotionally drained. To them, there's no greater rush than being put on a pedestal and worshipped by their fans and followers. It's true! That's true. It's true! That's a triple true. <laughs> no argument on that one. Triple true. Triple true. I think we I think we agree on that one. I would say one thing though. They said that they're uh the people around them become emotionally drained. I think that's what the effect they call the Trump derangement syndrome. That people become just so yes. drained by his personality that it, it has a negative effect on them. Yeah, I think so that I, just would, make that's, that I think that's the number one uh bad trait he has. Even people who like him or or are interested in hearing his policy get really tired of of his uh personality. Yeah. Some pe- some people. You know, I th- I think I think some people like the fact that he that he's a troll. Yes, but I think that's a smaller number than people who are just like, okay, I don't want to listen to it. Okay, um, Michael Moore. I, I, I don't want to talk talk a lot between these clips, but Michael Moore said one thing. He said he predicted Trump would win mm-hmm. because he said the regular man would see Trump as a big f u to the establishment for sure, for sure. So that's 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 where I'm coming at with my um okay my angle. So continue on. Four, they do not take any criticism well. <laughs> Have you ever commented on something someone said and they lashed out at you? Maybe the reaction was more hostile than expected. They think they're superior to others around them and believe themselves to be infallible. They react poorly, maybe yelling, throwing a tantrum, or with another unreasonable response <laughs> when they perceive what you've said might be criticism. It's true! Yeah, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep, no, I got that one. Okay. It's, Let, it's not looking too good for us. Uh, no, he's for, looking pretty, pretty, pretty N- NPD-ish. Let's go to five. Five. They exploit others without guilt or shame. Narcissism and empathy don't go hand in hand. Narcissists are unwilling to see the world from the perspective of others. As a result, they're able to exploit others without any feeling of remorse. They can manipulate people to fulfill their own needs without regard for the consequences that their actions may have on others. It's true! It's true! Definitely true. <laughs> Definitely true. Uh, okay. Anything you'd like to add? You want to continue on? Uh, no, we can, uh, we can go to uh, six. Six. They belittle others. The narcissist thinks they're the best and brightest, so seeing proof that dictates otherwise, like someone who is more talented than they are at a particular activity, is a rude shock. The response is to make sure that the person is below them, where the narcissist feels most others belong. They try to be dismissive about the other person, to show that they don't really even care about them. And if that doesn't work, they resort to personal attacks. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think that's uh, uh, the birth. I think that's birtherism, right in, there. A, in a nutshell. Yeah, yep, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> okay, on to seven. Seven. Yes. They see themselves as more attractive than they really are. Despite the fact that everyone should feel attractive, there's a fine line between a healthy self-image and being delusional. 
This line is often crossed by narcissists who believe that they are exceptionally attractive regardless of having any imperfections. The narcissist uses this perceived superior attractiveness to justify to themselves why they're too good for everyone. Oh, man. It's true. <laughs> this is not looking good for 45 Savage right now. Let's go to number eight. Eight. They gaslight those who are dear to them. It's true. Have you ever noticed feeling that you can't remember anything correctly around a specific person? When you're with that person, do you feel a little like you've lost your mind? That's due to gaslighting, a tactic narcissists use in order to manipulate and gain power and control over those around them. Gaslighting is frightening because it's insidious. The manipulation is lengthy and gradual, so the victim doesn't notice it happening. Uh, let's ask the ladies. That's true. Yeah, they know exactly what's going on. <laughs> All right, well, number nine, then. It's the last on the list. Nine. They put some people on pedestals. It's true! Our last sign seems oddly contradictory to the other signs, but it is very logical, and here's why. Narcissists believe that they have to have perfection in everything, including people they associate with. A narcissist will often cozy up to someone higher in status, believing that their perfection will somewhat rub onto them. Oh, man. Okay. I, I, what did we get? We got, I think we got uh, seven definites. <laughs> we got uh, one uh, split vote and pretty much all, yeah. pretty much all true. Okay. Uh, gee, sounds like he's a narcissist, Mo. And I'm, I'm a, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor, but maybe Miss Maureen Dowd could uh, chime in on this since she's a, uh, uh, could speak on the classical clinical narcissist. Is that a weakness, though, that a lot of politicians have, that they like the people who like them and dislike the people who dislike them? Yes, Trump is just a very <laughs> extreme version of other narcissistic Pauls or, you know, he is, you know, he's a classic clinical narcissist. So he's missing empathy. He's he has no ability to take a punch. You know, if anyone criticizes him, he can't let it go. He's like a dog with a bone, like with Miss Universe or earlier with Megyn Kelly. So he's just a much more extreme version of the typical garden variety form of narcissism Narcissism you see in D.C. with politicians all the time. Yeah, okay. But I, I think that's, he, that's how he, he won in business. I'm quite sure of it. Yeah, it's, 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 he's a creation of himself, and we're, we're going to talk about that a little later. But as she said in here, all politicians, or most politicians, are narcissists. Sure. And we'll see some of the biggest um, resistance, for lack of a better word, that we've seen for Donald Trump has been the media personalities with the biggest personalities, say <laughs> a Don Lemon, say a. Uh, uh, right. Uh, Just say the everybody. In the White House. <laughs> Yeah, say everybody. So they're they're rubbed the wrong way by his narcissism, but it only exposes their narciss their narcissistic behavior as well. So I mean, it's 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 a beautiful mechanism. It's a strange phenomenon that he exposes them by being who he truly is, but he's only truly himself half the time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. 
so Andrew Sherrill and uh, Ask, I think it's Akash Singh. Yeah. Uh, they have a podcast together and they discuss is Donald Trump a racist? Off the gut, there's no facts to back this up whatsoever. But I think this is what Trump is when it comes to race. I think Trump is, and maybe purposefully so, ignorant to the minority experience in America. And because he is, he doesn't have the same level of empathy or compassion that someone who has watched maybe their black friend get harassed by the cops or these types of things. So his mind, he's like, no, I just treat everybody equal. Like, remember back in the day when I was partying with all the rappers and everybody thought I was cool? Yeah, I just treated them like regular guys. And I think the rappers and stuff back in the day were all like, yeah, he's just some rich dude, but he just treats you regular. He don't even fucking care. And I think they were kind of seduced by that, but they never had conversation with Trump about like empowerment in these neighborhoods and that kind of stuff like that. So he, I don't know if he's hateful of minorities. I do not think that he's empathetic. Interesting. Well, one of the signs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of empathy. Yeah. No empathy. <laughs> so I, yes. I think Andrew was speaking to more of him being a narcissist as well, that he's just oblivious. Uh, to other people's feelings, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's just my way or the highway, pretty much. We just understand. Take a little time, and this, this is where I, I, I talk about sometimes on the show the seven habits of highly effective people. Yes, and one of those is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And this is why uh, Donald Trump became a fascinating character to me because I sought to understand where he's coming from. And it's depending upon who he's talking to. Uh, he he'll change his facts. Uh, he's not tied to ideology, right? It's no. all about what's best for pushing forward whatever um, whatever he wants to he achieve. Had, yes, whatever he wants to achieve. And I think, as you pointed out prior, that that did make him a successful businessman because he's not tied to one uh, method of business. It's uh. Does this work? No. Okay, let's go get some more experts. Right. And that's where you see him constantly cashing out people. If, even in his cabinet, it's like, oh, these are the smartest people. And he brings them in. Oh, they're, they're dumb. Yeah. Kick them out. And then it's like, <laughs> bring some more smart people in. And yeah. six months later, they're dumb. Yeah. And it's just this constant um, With very evolution. Mu- very much like The Apprentice, actually. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the business model that he accepted. Mm-hmm. And I think that just feeds out of... Um, you can answer this question for me. Um, his bro- his sister's a judge, right? And his yes. brother, um, I think, drank himself. You know, what I'm saying into his you know, demise. Yeah, pretty. Does much. he have any other si- any other siblings? I- I'm uh, I'm a little yes. Rusty I, th- on that. I think he has. Uh, I think he has another brother. And I think he's highly successful as well. I believe so. Uh, I, yeah. So I, I think Trump see. became successful. But in the way, in the way he knew how, and that's you know that's the being Donald Trump. Right. He, he he's like I'm going to be the best at being Donald Trump, and that's going to carry me all the way. Um, so I got a second clip from the same podcast, and they talk about the brand of Donald Trump. I actually think he's a marketing genius. But take that in and like yeah. let's address that. What do you guys think about? I don't. I don't think. I think. 
Maybe, but he also doesn't care. I think he is... Doesn't care is lack of empathy. No, but like, I think, yeah, he's just looking at it as... The main thing to me is like, I know how to win. I know how to market myself as a winner. Remove win. Like, talk about the man. Like, not about winning the election. Like, truly, like... Like, remember, it really... The light bulb went off for me when he said to black people, he's like, what do you got to lose? Just come to like that was his pitch to black people. His pitch to black people was like, "We're gonna help you. We're gonna figure out. I understand what you go through. I understand the tough things about this systemic racism that you've experienced has created these environment." Literally, the thing was, "Yeah, it sucks. Just try it." <laughs> <laughs> he had he grew up with three siblings. Um, okay, three yeah. uh, no three three elder siblings: Marianne, Fred Jr., Elizabeth, and one younger brother, Robert. And so Fred Jr. is. Uh, He's no longer there, but Robert is. But yes, yeah, so- I'm sure that put a pr- lot of pressure on him, Fred yeah. Jr., the way he turned out. And I think that's where he wanted to please his father. So, I mean, it, there is some. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, validity there. How? Because we have to talk about these, you know, how the raising of these people shape who they are. Mm-hmm. And it, Donald Trump figured out I can be the best at being me. <laughs> and that's all I need to do. And it'll get me a long way through life. And it certainly has. Uh, it definitely has. It, but it, it rubs people the wrong way because you got to look at who his peers are now in the circles he, he he's in. They're very uh, highly educated. They, you know, cross the T's and dot every I. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did this guy get to the same place? Or a lot of these politicians and, and news reporters had dreams of being president. Yeah, You know, oh, they sure. just kind of got derailed along the way but then that even rubs them even more like this douchebag how did he do (laughs) how does that work yeah i bet he's not even a billionaire let's go prove it yep so i think we're gonna we're gonna get back to those comments that he made to the so-called black community but we need to lay out some things first and first of all we need to figure out how donald trump created donald trump before he was a presidential candidate. And I've been saying for years, keep the oil, keep the oil. Don't let him have the oil. Before he was a reality TV star. You're fired. Donald Trump was a New York tabloid fixture. All through the 1980s, Trump was busy building something new, and it wasn't a skyscraper. Billionaire developer Donald Trump has put his name on a New York City hotel, shopping center, and apartment buildings, as well as a casino in Atlantic City. And now he's going to put his name on a big piece of Eastern Airlines. Trump was creating a public persona, one that could be both funny and demeaning, arrogant and somehow in touch with the common man. I sort of love and hate him at the same time. I mean, I think he has, you know, a monumental ego. He comes off as being very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Arrogant? Yeah, he's, he's, he's arrogant. <laughs> yeah. I like him. The man's got a maid, got everything. He often did this by picking fights. He said, I think Donald Trump is an artful liar. I think he is a greedy, vicious, and arrogant man. Well, I don't know, is that supposed to be a compliment or not? I'm, I'm not sure. He waged a years-long battle with New York City Mayor Ed Koch. I, I hope that New York City has a different mayor at some point, because I think Ed Koch is a total disaster. He's been a very bad mayor for the city. He helped launch a competitor to the NFL called the U.S. Football League, and then launched a lawsuit against the NFL when the USFL failed. The jury in the case delivered its verdict. It ruled the NFL did indeed monopolize pro football, but it awarded damages of just one. <laughs> oh yeah so there's your nfl and we spoke there's, about your, the- there's your nfl beef and it's ongoing 
and it's like, okay, if you notice, you know, uh, father, son of a bitch, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of yep, thing. Yep, and then yep, it's yep. now he's like, now that the NFL has, because the NFL wasn't taking action against Colin Kaepernick, and now it, he came back was like, oh, you know, I think Colin Kaepernick deserves another chance. <laughs> it's like, whatever <laughs> to cause chaos. Gaslighting for right enemies. there. <laughs> ah, that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. <laughs> we're seeing he's not tied to anything and if you understand that about him then you understand him greater and and i guess for everybody everyone has a little bit of narcissism in them it kind of shows it makes you feel like oh my god that's so ugly you know but in your subconscious like gosh i'm kind of like that you know you're you're projecting your own ugliness when you recognize it almost it's odd and the and the Democrat, I mean, excuse me, and the demographics that hate him the most, the young millennials, are yeah. the most narcissistic. <laughs> so that's the weirdest thing. It's like everything they do is vain. It's like, look at right. me. Look at me. Uh, look at my uh, selfie. Me, move, like move, my pose. Yeah, Woo! Look, yeah. Yeah. Look at me eat. Look at me, you know, do this. Look at, you know. It's best life ever. Yeah. Living my best life ever. Right. But then they they have to stay for him. But they it, it's this weird I always said the best thing that ever happened was Donald Trump getting elected because he kind of pulled back the veil on everything. everything. Now we have to, all the behaviors that he does that we all still do, it points out people as hypocrites. Right. And one of the things I don't want to do, that's why I don't have a seated hatred for Donald Trump. One, I don't have that for any person, but if I hold him accountable for something, then I have to hold myself accountable, accountable for it. Yep. But I think a lot of people don't do that. And that's why they could easily hate Trump but right. live with themselves. Uh, <laughs> Mo, are you secretly a psychologist? Do you have a degree? Do you have do you have a medical license? I think you've been holding I have back a mom that has a that's a therapist, so that, I mean that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she screwed up her kid well. Good job, mom. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So we stopped off with uh, uh, um foreshadowed that there was one industry that had the hugest impact on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to say, oh, it was Facebook, it was the Russians, it was this, it was that why he won the election, the data collection that he did. No. Donald Trump had one tactic and that was to basically turn the presidential race of 2016 into a wrestling match. Before he was president, Donald Trump was once part of a world that celebrated body slams, obnoxious taunts. I'm taller than you. I'm better looking than you. And men in spandex costumes. It's called WrestleMania. And during the 2000s, Trump found himself center stage, playing a character named, of course, Donald Trump. In 2007, he appeared at a series of pro wrestling events, playing a rival to Vince McMahon, who is chairman of World Wrestling Entertainment, also known as the WWE. WrestleMania fights are scripted, and the climax of their so-called rivalry was an episode where Trump shaved McMahon's head. Trump also hosted WrestleMania events at Trump Plaza in Atlantic City in the 80s. Recently, he picked McMahon's wife, Linda, to lead the Small Business Administration. Oh, right. Now, he's making the presidency (laughs) his wrestling ring. On Sunday, he tweeted a doctored clip from his 2007 bout showing him wrestling with CNN. (laughs) Oh, man. CNN condemned the tweet, saying it is a sad day when the president of the United States encourages violence against reporters. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so clear now when you think of it in these terms. This is great. This is very exciting, Mo. I have a new look on uh, on the situation. Uh, although very familiar things. It all feels familiar. Yep. His whole approach was a wrestling approach. The cities that he stopped at, the arenas yep. that he used. Yep. I mean, he, the, the man gave him the whole blueprint of like, here, because in wrestling... Here's your here's your stage on song. You know, the one you come out to. <laughs> here's the one you leave to. Here's the shit you do for the, your the victory The when he comes out, yeah. you know, he gets the... <laughs> Your signature, your signature uh, phrase, your signature thumbs. Oh yeah, incredible! And I, I think he took this blueprint of how do I reach everyday men? Oh well, everyday men in the places that he want to reach, like pro wrestling. So what did he give him? A pro, pro wrestling wrestler show? <laughs> knock, knock the hell out of him! I'll pay for it. I mean, like that was. <laughs> Like that, that was a can you smell what the rock is cooking kind of thing or yeah, you know yeah, the Stone yeah, Cold yeah. Steve Austin yeah it has everything except the and it's raucous I mean that's what the word is attached to these rallies it's raucous because it gets the people going but if you ever watched uh, wrestling it's very visceral it's it's raucous but yet it's completely safe for a family outing. Like a WWE match. Exactly. It's like you can bring you the can kids, your... you can bring you can bring the wife, you can bring everybody, you can all hang out. Y'all can yell, y'all can yell and cuss and yeah. do whatever you want to. Boo, we hate you. And he gives them that. You have everything except for the match. Right? Because it's like it's it's called the promo. He's right. come and, and and his rallies is the pro it's the pro, actually yeah. a term in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I identified this because growing up, I'm gonna say this about a little inside baseball. There's a high percentage of black people that enjoy wrestling and um, especially older people. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my good friends, his grandma would order every WrestleMania. I don't care what she had to do. She was going to get WrestleMania and he tapped into that. That vein, uh, that demographic, vein. yeah. Oh, and the demographic. Because, you know, yeah. if you know his stops, it's the same stops where WWE would stop using the same exact uh, format, the same venues. format, the same format, the same venues, and the, the venues. same places. Oh my goodness, I did not know this. This is great. We've we so figured further, out, we figured out his <laughs> his strategy, his plan. Yeah, and, and we might even more expose it a little bit more, but let's get into the second wrestling clip. Producers and others who worked in and follow pro wrestling told the Associated Press that Trump's blunt communication style is similar to his win-at-all-costs wrestling character. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. No! <laughs> Like pro wrestlers, he uses catchphrases and attaches insults to rivals' names. Crooked Hillary Clinton campaign. They see echoes of pro wrestling in Trump's appearances, too. His backlit slow walk at the Republican convention. His tiger-like pacing on stage behind Hillary Clinton during a presidential debate. One former event producer said Trump employed a classic tactic at a news conference when he ordered CNN reporter Jim Acosta to be quiet. Taking a page from what many think of as the fake sport of pro wrestling, Trump lashed out. You are fake news. Sir, Go ahead. can you stay categorically that nobody... No. You know, and so many, so many times... We've talked about, or you know, I know I've talked about, uh, Trump is like a WWE wrestling match. But when you really lay it all out and you break down the elements of pro wrestling, 
I mean, we can almost predict every single thing that's going to happen next. Now, not necessarily the outcome. He doesn't control all the all of the script, but man, he knows he knows what the audience wants as long as he can create that one next media event to carry them through to the to the one after that. He plays everybody and, like a fiddle. And not only uh, <clears throat> not only wrestling, but he grew he was very close with boxing as well. And boxing has the same aspect of you you have only have one fight, right? Fight mm-hmm. night. Right. But you have to build it up over a matter of three months, six months. Yeah. That way you get people engaged and want to say, I'm going to spend this $75, $79 on pay-per-view. Absolutely. So this is what I witnessed, and it really clicked with me. I mean, I noticed it, but it really clicked with me when he came to Leesburg right before the 2016 election. And the people stayed until 2 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. for him to show up because yeah. he was running late. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like, this is amazing uh-huh. uh, that he would, like, these people, are they really want their uh, show. They're there for the show. It's not about politics or policy or none of that crap. It's about, we got our guy that talks the biggest crap, and, you know, he's the biggest, baddest crap talker. And I'm going to say this, and I might get killed for it, but I honestly believe one of the things so-called black people have a problem with is Obama wasn't that for us. That he wouldn't, you know, just go to the mat for lack of a better term, but you know, just like lay it out there. I'm for my people, you know, screw y'all, that kind of thing. Right. And we see it followed up behind him. It's like, wow, why why don't we have that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why didn't he why didn't he ride for us the way that Trump rides for his base? Could you give an example of how he would ride? I mean, what what would the, the T V show equivalent of Obama's uh format be? What could he have okay, done that was say, unique? So Say for instance, uh, I mean, just the being vocal for yeah. your base. Uh-huh. That that's the thing. Like with uh, Trayvon Martin or these other things, he was kind of like, "Well, we had to wait and see," you know, that kind of thing. Like Trump, he's out, he's out there. Oh, we're gonna get to the bottom of it, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very fine people. <laughs> I'm, that I'm kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's the yeah. vocalness of it. It's not. It's not even. Yeah, it's we didn't know you could play that way. It's like right, we didn't right. know you could play president like. Yeah. By those rules, yeah, like we got screwed for eight years. I mean, just out of the, you know, out of the, you know, the yeah, no, I get it. Just having somebody to, you know, like where was a, get where, that vocal where, for you? Where was the black version of this guy? Is what you're thinking, right? Yeah, I got you. Because we were always told we got you got to build a coalition. You got to have the greater coalition. This guy's like, I'm for my forty percent, and yeah. whatever they want, they my forty percent gets. Yeah. So that kind of thing is yeah. like we we missed out on that. I think that's I think that's a real sentiment in 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 the with obama uh so yeah with obama mm-hmm. now here this is triple h and he makes a statement that trump may think that wrestling is real sam you got a question for triple h you're always good with the question yeah sure uh how worried were you when you thought vince mcmahon was dead Oh man, I was scared to death. If, if I if I hadn't seen them pre-tape it, where he got in and out of the car, you know. Of course, you're talking about the limo explosion. When we saw that, what kills thing. me is so many people. Call, I mean, the office next day, like people. I'm not kidding you. Like, and they'd probably be mad at me for saying like Trump called and was like, did something happen to Vince? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, did dude, Trump not understand that that magic, was a skit? <laughs> it's the magic of television. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Uh, we got to get out of here. Triple H. Good to see you guys again. All right, so so this is something I wasn't aware of. What happened with this this uh, this so, so gag? So Vince McMahon had this. They had a you know a, you know a gag for lack of a better word, but where his uh, limousine blew up, uh-huh. and obviously Trump called <laughs> Triple H and was like, "Is, is Vince okay?" <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't know this. He wasn't in on that gag. I, I don't believe so. I mean, uh, he wasn't. No, he wasn't in on it. But it's just that. One thing you're going to find out, a lot of people think wrestling is real. And you get a lot of push. I mean, I had an uncle that, yeah. man, you he would kick you out of his house yeah. if you said wrestling was fake. So, I mean, it's a real touchy thing. So, I'm just laying out the pathology of of a typical wrestling fan that mm-hmm. they buy into even Trump being a wrestling fan himself. He, he, um, he bought into They buy into it. Into the scam. Oh, my goodness. Excellent. Now we had to get into the nuts and bolts of how a wrestling production gets down. Ah, good. And I, I love this. So this is from Pro Wrestling 101, and this is Getting Heel Heat. Today I want to talk about getting heel heat. And what I mean by that is, you know, more more than just being a heel is being hated. Too many times nowadays, I think fans and wrestlers want to be a heel, but they want to be liked. They want to be cheered. They want to be cool. Um, and nowadays, I think so many guys don't know what it really means to get heel heat. Um, you know, it just, it just means, to me at least, being the worst possible guy, the worst possible competitor you could be out there. I mean, it's more than, you know, guys, you say be a heel, indie guys, and, um, even on the big stage, even in WWE, I find it, and even, especially in TNA, where guys go out there and they just cut a promo and they knock everybody down and they yell and they scream and, you know, they do the stereotypical bad guy heel thing. But it's so much more than that. If you look at the classics the real guys that stand out they cheated to win they were ruthless to win they you know they were whatever the baby face was they were the complete opposite of what he stood for and it meant going for it in there i mean if it i mean it's about kicking somebody when they're down it's about doing anything <laughs> cerebral cerebral you know that you could do to to just combat what that baby face is doing because <laughs> sounds so familiar uh, so now uh, let's go back and look at the birther situation through this lens of the wrestling uh, uh narrative okay okay i need to, i need to define a few terms here so the heel is the bad guy uh and he's said to be the bad guy uh and then you have the baby face which that's the good guy and so in the birther situation, Obama's the baby face. Everybody loves him. And Trump's the heel. Mm-hmm. And Trump set himself up to be the heel. Uh, he oh knew yeah. how toxic yeah. the birther thing would be. But he's like, no, as the, uh, the gentleman just laid out. And then here, you, I have to do the most despicable thing <laughs> possible. <laughs> to, be, to be identified as the heel in the relationship, according to the audience. Yes, and then the audience is going to take up for the baby face, of course. But he knew that going in. Like I said, all this was planned. Um, I, I, other than I don't think he think he wouldn't let uh, baby face Barry uh, get the best of him. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> baby face so, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, 
Now, I think that's the only miscalculation he had, but that was still fuel for him. Yeah, to, to drive him. For the comeback. Of course. For the, you of know, course. We in, need in, a comeback. great wrestling yeah, match. It's got a comeback. You bet. You got to have the comeback. Uh, but let's get into heel heat, too. But it's so much more than that. It's about deliberate nasty aggression it's about just you know cheating to win it's it's about breaking rules and just doing everything that is not right and and sometimes you got to think about it it's not that cut and dry it's not black and white and more guys aren't doing it because they you know it's there's easier ways out of it but if you look in history and in today's wrestling business of guys that have success and there are very few today, but it, you know, especially back in the eighties, if you go back and look at some of the classic heels in our business, you will see what that is. I mean, it, and, and it could be small things. Okay. The cl- so who are the classic heels from wrestling? Well, if we're going to look at a heel, we got to look at the heel of all heels, the uh, <laughs> Mr. Ric Flair. Oh. Wrestling Ric Flair, and here is the world heavyweight champion. You know, girls, why don't you give it to him one more time? That's who's standing here today. The world heavyweight champion. Only one. And you're looking. Oh, girls, I can't stand it. Now I gotta talk. We all gotta be quiet. Nikita Koloff, we've only just begun. That's the end of it. Dusty Rhodes, don't ever make a mistake of sticking your nose in my business. If I'm down and out, I'll get up and take care of myself. So Dusty Rhodes, remember, when you walk out here, whoo, talking Ric Flair. Yeah. Don't think you can walk in that ring and give me a hand or try to help me out and ease the tension in our relationship. Philadelphia, woo, I'm going to tear you down. Pensacola, Florida, when I get to town, we're going to treat all you women woo, the way women ought to be treated. Because the NWA and some real men are going to take that Civic Center apart and then we're all going to be over a rodeo woo, driving the women wild. <laughs> Does he sound like Rally Trump? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> My little Marco. Exactly. Little Marco, Bubble Boy. You know, um, as I alluded to before, knock the hell out of him. Get him out of here. I mean, even he, he even has friendly fire, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he kicked one guy out that was overweight. And he was like, look how fat he is. And it was actually one of his, um, his own guys. One of his supporters. <laughs> oh, and, yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah and, and and the supporter even took a picture he, with him afterwards. He's like, yeah, you're right. I, I I needed to get out. I'm a fatso. And let's take a picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that he even kicked the baby out. He's like, get that baby out of here. I don't think <laughs> a lot of people have really done this depth of analysis, Mo. This is very interesting. I love it. And also, <laughs> you know, the angle where you're coming. I'm not, I mean, of course I've watched wrestling. My daughter loves uh, wrestling. Um, I know people who love wrestling, but now... It's like we get a free wrestling show. We don't have to pay 75 bucks uh, for a uh, pay-per-view. Just have to watch And the Trump. wrestling part, I want people to understand the wrestling part, the actual match and the pins and the moves, that's only a small portion of the show. Yes. I mean, if you actually come I, mean, I grew up, I was forced to watch wrestling because my oldest, older brother, not my oldest, um, but my older brother, he was a huge fan. 
So he would come in Saturday mornings, uh, whatever I'm watching. Hey, turn it, turn it over to WWF or uh, yeah. NWA, those mm-hmm, kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so I grew out of it kind of young. I mean, maybe nine, ten. I mean, I, I mean, I still liked it, but Rick, I mean, Rick Flair is like one of my favorite characters period i mean not right. even just wrestling i'm talking about in life mm-hmm. because one he's from north carolina he was the nature boy and i never saw anybody talk as much excuse my language cash shit as him and do it so well <laughs> do it so well right who would just bury anybody else alive one question girls all around the world keep asking me the same question <laughs> they all want to know <laughs> they all want to know and my cousin Arnie's the one that put this across. They all want to know who, what's causing all this. You know what it is? Intensified beef products. You're talking about all man, Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! The world heavyweight champion. Woo! All right. Woo! One more time, girls. It's totally it. Totally. Totally. That's that's Trump all day. And if you listen to the prior clip to that one, Rick started to name the uh, cities. Right. Pensacola, Florida. Same same cities. Same cities Trump goes to with his arenas. Oh, my. But that is but it, it is super important that he gets that arena in. That is kind of his big payoff. It's not it's not really complete. Unless people can come to the arena, and this has been the problem with the Rona, and that's why the rallies were so demonized because they understand that's the that's, that's the, the payoff energy that's, base that's where it happens. That's yeah, the, that is the energy base. And, and, and I'm going to lay out something here, and I'm, we'll play the next clip after I lay this out. That it's not about Trump either. It's bigger than Trump now. These rallies have people to go from rally to rally to mm-hmm. rally, following it's him like, like the, a rock band, like the Grateful Dead. Exactly. So they don't. They're going to go out and vote just to keep the show going for another four years. <laughs> it doesn't matter about his policy. None of that. It's like it gives older people <laughs> something to get out the house about. Something it's like do. you know he's going to come, and it's he's a free show. To your city. And Mo, it's a free show. It's a free show. Uh, yeah. But I bet you they support him value for value because I mean it's oh sure they get the free show but then they get he gets the you campaign know campaign donations um, campaign donations sales, the sure, retweets sure, the, sure, that, sure. he get, it's a trade off but the point I'm trying to make here is not only do they not want to see Trump leave they don't want to see this phenomena or this experience of coming to their city two three times in the next four years <laughs> right. they don't want to give that up <laughs> like like Lollapalooza. Exactly. So let's get to the uh, New Jersey Trump rally. Massive crowds. Look at these gathering in Wildwood, waiting to hear the president speak. Some of his supporters have been camping out there for more than two days now. We have team coverage for you. Let's start with News 4's Brian Thompson live in Wildwood. Among those massive crowds, Brian. Yeah, and the crowds are pretty big out here. I got to say, police estimating a little while ago, at least 12,500 going in or on the streets here of Wildwood. They opened the doors a little before three, but look, you can still see uh, there's kind of, through those people, there's an end of the line there, but my guess is at this point, they probably won't get in. 
This story all day, the lines of people waiting and hoping to get in a 7,400-seat convention center. Before you could say you were at the end of the line, more people got in line behind you. If you don't get in. It's not a bad thing. I'm here. Wow. Yep. It's not a bad thing. I'm here is what the gentleman said. (laughs) So it's not even about getting in. It's the... I mean, you got... And I don't want to be ages here, but you got guys 50 plus, mm-hmm. you know, blue diamonds are flying everywhere, you know, and they're, saying they're snagging <laughs> the old chicks. I mean, it's, it's, it's an event. And if yeah. I was older, I mean, it gives you something to get out the house to. I mean, you're not going to clubs or bars anymore. It's like, where you going? I'm going out to the Trump rally. Hang you know, out. he's coming to town. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they want to stop it with the, um, with the, with the coronavirus. Oh, yes. That is... Uh... Damn it, Mo. Hence. <laughs> Damn it. I'm glad you, it takes a younger man to teach me stuff about Trump. Thank you. All and, right. So now we can go back to what they alluded to before about his uh, comments to the black voter. But we have to look at it through the lens of the heel and the wrestling uh, narrative. No group in America has been more harmed by Hillary Clinton's policies than African-Americans. No group, no group. If Hillary Clinton's goal was to inflict pain on the African-American community, she could not have done a better job. It's a disgrace. Tonight, I'm asking for the vote of every single African-American citizen in this country who wants to see a better future. Wow, he doesn't have to say what she did wrong. <laughs> doesn't even have to say ah, it. No, it's, it's the chaos. It's, yeah, it's the chaos it. factor. Just say it. Oh, beautiful. And, and and listen to the tone and listen to the crowd. They were getting worked up. You know, they're getting, you know, they're getting all lathered up. And it's the, the, the chance about to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever he said, that, I mean, that goes back to the statement. I didn't clip it because, I mean, everybody knows it by now. now. No, We've no, heard no, it no. 500 wait, times. Wait a minute. So you heard this before, before the payoff question. Uh-huh. When you heard this, like, up until this mo, up this clip right here. What did you think? I'm like, he's actually saying that? No other politician has the balls to say that. That that Hillary Clinton did worse for African Americans or just the fact that he's talking about it at all? We knew it, but it's no pol- it was kind of like a buddy-buddy. Republicans wouldn't really say it because they kind of voted for the crime bill, too. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the things where Trump was similar with Obama with the war, you know, saying the Middle East, mm-hmm. he had no part of it, so, so he, he could he be could very say critical whatever he of wants. it. Okay, got it. Yeah, so he's getting the crowd all worked up, and then we go into the famous line that kind of brought this show together. <laughs> Look how much African American communities have suffered under Democratic control. To those, I say the following: <laughs> What? Do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump? What new do you and improved Trump. <laughs> it's tasty. <laughs> now with peanut butter. <laughs> I 
I say it again. What do you have to lose? Look, what do you have to lose? You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. 58% of your youth is unemployed. What the hell do you have to lose? <laughs> And at the end of four years, I guarantee you that I will get over 95% of the African-American vote. I promise you. <laughs> over 94%. This is great. So what we need to do is make sure everyone knows he's a racist. It's impossible. And here's the gaslighting from the nar- narcissism. You know you're not going to get 95% of the African... 95% of the... <laughs> no. You're going to swing it from 85% one way, 80% one way, to 95% the other way. But no, it's gaslighting. No. Here comes the narcissism again. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, 95% guaranteed. Try Trump now with with fresh new smelling scent. And the third person, you got to love that. I mean, him referring to himself in the third try person Trump. by a single name. Yeah. Try Trump. It's seriously, it's like, you know, try, yeah, a great product. Try Trump. It's the, it's the brand. It's the brand yeah, that we were yeah. talking about. Try uh, Trump. Being a winner. It, it's a winner. He should do that more often. Try Trump. That's a really strong statement. That, that is that is a good one. Yeah. Uh, so... Wrestling has not only had impact on Donald Trump, but other American originals, uh, one being Mr. Muhammad Ali. He wasn't that great a talker until he met Gorgeous George in Las Vegas. I saw a wrestler once named Gorgeous George. And the place was jam-packed with people. Cars was lined up for miles. They hated Gorgeous George. They wanted him to beat, but they paid $100 for ringside seat. So Gorgeous George walked out with his pretty silver hair. And he was walking so proud. And people was like, throwing popcorn at him. He said, ah, you bum. Ah, he was hollering at the uh, fans. Ah, I don't care nothing about you. And look, I can't lose. If I lose, I'll cut all my blonde locks in the ring. Look at my beautiful blonde hair. If he mess up this hair, I'll kill him. I'll annihilate the bum. I can't lose. I'm the greatest. So I got this from Gorgeous George. I said, ooh, this is a good idea. Look, he's getting ripped. So I start talking. I am the greatest. I cannot be beat. I'm too pretty to be a fighter. What he's doing is he's taking the American culture, what's in the air at the time, and he invents something called Cassius Clay, the greatest. Wow. (laughs) With the hair, no less. With the hair. Gorgeous George. Ric Flair, Donald Trump, they all have this blonde hair. I don't know what it is about the blonde hair, but as you heard Ali say, and they, and Ali took what he learned from Gorgeous George, and that's how you came up with Cassius Clay, the biggest, you know what I'm saying, one of the biggest junk talkers there is. Uh, but he he was willing to play the heel. This, this heel phenomenon this is, is so <laughs> good. This is so spot on. Absolutely. And then at a certain point, he just had everybody, and then he, he and he could. It was still the same. Muhammad Ali was st- still was, had an arrogant thing about him, but everybody loved him. And, and he wasn't as loved now as he was. I mean, he wasn't as loved as he is now. Back no, then, exactly, he's very, very polarizing figure. Uh, one for his war uh, views, but um, for other reasons as well. But let's wrap up with uh, 
the gorgeous George clip, and then we'll get into some of the other statements that Ali made. It's a self-creation. That's a very American thing. And Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali, to me, is writ large one of those self-invented American characters. Cassius Clay understood that ultimately we're just hungry for copy. And so if you give us copy, as long as you give us copy, you can you can pull our strings and we have to write about you. And and Cassius Clay was able to frame the story. The narrative was his. <laughs> so the media knows it's like a new Ali. Yeah. As long as he's giving us copy. As long as he's giving us con- with content, they'll put now, him on. They'll put him on, no matter what he's saying. He's doing poetry. Float like float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He's great. Put him on TV. And so Trump, I'm sure he's aware of Ali because of his uh, involvement in the boxing, oh, yeah. you know, uh, oh, sure. and the wrestling. So he's aware of this creating, you know, the atmosphere of tension mm-hmm. and driving that tension uh, to you to you know meet your goal. Um, but yeah, but Ali, just like Trump, if we want to use the cancel cannon, yes. would we cancel Ali for his racial integration uh, stand- standpoint? Um, poof. I know he. You got, see what now? We're, now yeah. we're getting into. Now you're getting now into. Getting now into, you're getting into the meat, meat and potatoes. Exactly. What exactly was his racial uh, statement on, on integration? Let's listen to. It. I got a clue. I understand. Yeah, I just. I do understand. I understand. I think it's. I think it's sad that that. that it ain't sad because I want my child sad. to look it's like me. Attitude. Every intelligent person wants his child to look like him. I'm sad because I want to blot out my race and lose my beautiful identity. Chinese love Chinese. They love the little slanted out pretty brown skinned babies. Pakistanis love their culture. Jewish people love their culture. A lot of Catholics don't want to marry number Catholics. They want the religion to be stay the same. Who want to spot up yourself and kill your race? You you a hater of your people if you don't want to stay who you are. You shame what God made you. God didn't make no mistake when He made us all like we I, were. I think that's a philosophy um, of despair. Despair. I really do. It ain't it's, no despair. Yeah, Number one, can't no woman. Let me tell you. Listen, no woman on this whole earth, not even a black woman in Muslim countries, can please me and cook for me and socialize and talk to me like my American black woman. Woo! No woman, at last is a white woman, <laughs> can really identify with me and my feelings and the way I act and the way I talk. Yeah, yeah. He Wow, he went really far in that. Yeah, he would definitely get the cancel cannon uh, if uh, if he was living in 2020. Oh, no, he would be like, compl- here, here we go. He'd be like, hey, Cassius Clay, look over here. <laughs> It'd be all over. It'd be all over. Wow. And he even, he even alluded to the difference. I'm just, just a small aside. He even alluded to the difference between the, Af- the American black and blacks in other countries because he, he didn't make it a race thing. No. Because he was like, even a woman in a, you know, an African country, she couldn't understand me. Uh, but I'm just saying, if we want to look at people through a certain lens, we, we might start having to get rid of a lot of American heroes and, and, and originals. This or, is that's why this is very dangerous. <laughs> or, or people get used to this and see it for what it really is and allow themselves to like it. Or, we get another strong competitor on the stage. 
there's more people who can play this game. That's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think Ali would. That's 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 a tough one because they. I mean, this goes this goes to back to my uh, statement. I re- repeat often: the man versus the product. Mm-hmm. The Ali product is so great now that he gets a pass on these statements, and they kind of like gloss it over uh, because they don't want to ruin uh, how he was used right. later on in his life right. by people with their own agendas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, that's what I said. It's just a slippery slope when we start talking about if you just play that clip, I mean, or not even, if you just had the transcript of that and take his name oh, off oh, of it. Oh, no, it would be completely unacceptable, obviously. <clears throat> completely unacceptable, what he said. So now we're being hypocrites. Yep. This goes back to the thing again, a hypocrite. You know, we're being you know, hypocritical and we don't want to start looking ourselves in the mirror and say, do we judge this one person this way and the other person the other way? Right. But also, right, so, but, but also there's if Trump is doing this, a new heel can come in the game. Well, I don't think you can have two heels. Well, uh, can you out heel a heel? I mean, because then it just possibly, <laughs> possibly. I I think the Democrats tried that. That's where you hear the Biden. I'll take him out behind the woodshed, you know, right. kind of, like uh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. And right. It, it just doesn't fall no. right because y'all been baby faces well, for exact- so long. Exactly. That's the right. You need a fresh guy to come in who can be the heel of all heels, a new guy or gal or someone. Who would that be? Who would that be on the Democratic side? Who Who would you? It doesn't have to be a Democrat. I mean, maybe Kanye. They will have to. Maybe Kanye okay, can be ahead, crazy enough. Maybe Kanye. But I think Kanye is. He's linked up with Trump through the serpent energy, which that's that's gonna right. <laughs> that's a whole nother show, a whole yeah, nother day. Is, but it is. I'm just saying. And the Wolf it, King in the um, in the world in the world of wrestling, you do get new winners that come in. But I never seen a heel upset or uh, unseated by another heel. It'll have to be, they'll need another Obama. They'll need another baby face that you feel so sympathetic for that the heel so picking a- on them will make you turn against the heel. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, just reminiscing. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I don't yeah, want to hold yeah, it up. So, I don't want to hold it up. I'm okay, liking no, this. No, we won't. Uh, but since we're talking wrestling, we have another uh, component of pro wrestling and that's storytelling. So what I really wanted to go over today is, uh, is quite honestly, you know, how to tell a story, uh, doing something compelling. Because let's face it, guys, you know, pro wrestling, we're storytellers. You know, that's what we do. And a lot of guys from my era know this better than anybody in the business. But I think a lot of times the younger generation, especially translated to the indie level, guys have a real hard time. So I always like to start from the finish. You know, what, is, what does the promoter want from the match? You know, so I'll get the finish. I know, hey, you know, I'm going to tombstone you. One, two, three, that's the finish. And then I personally, and a lot of other guys do, we like to go backwards, you know. And a lot of guys don't do this as well, is the comeback of a match is the most important. I mean, just picture like a Rocky and Apollo. I know I'm dating myself, believe me, to, uh, you know, 70s stuff. But, uh, you know, Rocky Balboa was getting a crap beat out of him. 
of them. You know, if the whole the whole night, the whole match, and then finally, against all odds, you know, the music starts <laughs> yeah. playing. He makes a comeback. Uh, you know, through everyone's surprise, he's coming. He's coming. He fights to stay alive, and that's what really you know pro wrestling is. It's 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 a story of survival. It's it's a guy, the underdog, fighting from underneath, and then you build and you build. I mean, a lot of guys have a you know in a comeback, a heel should be right there for the baby face. Bump, feed, bump, feed. Has to be there because believe me, in that split second, if a baby face does not have a heel popping up for him, if a heel's just lead assing on the ground and not coming up, you know, the crowd dies. You lose him in a millisecond. Oh my. <laughs> baby face Joe is just perfect, isn't he? Yeah, because they can they can really write the script for Joe. They can make him be whatever they need him to be. Whatever they want him to respond to, whatever they want him to say, they can make him do it all because that's the reactionary nature of of uh, old-fashioned politics. But in the last 20 seconds of that clip, the media has to keep Trump because they, front and they center. Need it. They because need it. They're the show. They, Trump is the show. As the guy said, you can lose the Your crowd in a, split, uh, in a millisecond. And if you lose the crowd, you lose your audience, you lose your ratings. That's it. And if you notice, I want to point this one thing out. If you notice, since Trump came along, we haven't had any international strongmen. No Osama. No. No uh, Saddam Hussein. We took out Chavez. we, 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 We took out the one, the one terrorist guy. We took him out. For the fourth time. Uh, (laughs) Baghdadi. Baghdadi's dead again, ladies and gentlemen. But but Trump used it. Trump used it. I'm saying, but the media didn't use him. Trump used it. I'm saying the media, they're like, oh, we got our heel. I mean, because it's all you need to keep people engaged. The bad guy, ISIS. Exactly. You don't need uh, Kim Jong-un. You don't need anybody, really. And actually, they make Kim uh, Jong-un the good guy. (laughs) Yes, they did. In the, the smarter world. <laughs> uh, this has been a great education on professional wrestling. Uh, in fact, this could be a college course. Professional wrestling, um, applied pol- uh, politics in professional wrestling. Something there's there's a, there's a whole college course just doing this. That's really good, Mo. I really like it. Really love it. So before we continue on. For all the unaware people and the people that want to do the work, uh, you can use this next clip to explain what uh, MoFax with Adam Kirby is all about. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. And that is, in a nutshell, in the words of uh, Malcolm X, exactly what MoFax with Adam Curry is all about. And... We get a lot of help from our producers who are very aware as they're doing the work. We're working on our new vocabulary here. I'm kind of getting used to it, but I like it. Yes. <laughs> and um, all we ask is a very simple question. Did you find any value in your Mo Facts with Adam Curry episode? And if so, how much value was that? That's very different for every single individual for you, it could be maybe $5 uh, if you equate it to a night out uh, at the movies, which is also two to three hours. Uh, you may wind up 
spending a lot more, but you felt that was good value for $50, uh, it's really up to the individual. And all we want is just enough people to support us, to keep us going. So we don't have, there's no other way to do this. Clearly these conversations can't happen with an advertising or any other monetization because cancel culture pops up and we'd never get a chance to talk. So here we are, we're talking and we'd like to thank our executive producers, our associate executive producers and the uh, producers who have made episode number 45 possible. And we start off with anonymous uh, who has a uh, pseudonym Dreb Scott. And he comes in with, $1,111.11, and this, uh, according to our new scale, which we're launching today, makes Mm -hmm. him our very first uh, uh, live ally, and he is um, the executive producer, and he is an Insta ally, since he straight on goes up to $1,000, that's the level any any, uh, person who supports the show... Uh, who is a producer by uh, supporting us with any amount. Once it tallies up to $1,000 over time, it could be a year, it could be 10 years, you will be an ally. That is our promise to you, and you will be named as such. And uh, you can put it on your uh, on your shirt, on your basketball shirt that you wear uh, around town. <laughs> it's the and, hip and, thing. And your social media profiles. Yes. Oh, yeah. You're an official ally. And if it, and Yes. And official, it, and it proves that you have done the work, and you've completed ally status. And this is uh, no less official than Robin D'Angelo giving you a course, except it's a lot easier to become an ally here. And uh, Dreb Scott has a note. He says, "Thank you for your great work. Donation of ones for you guys completing your first year." He says, "No jingles, no karma," but we really appreciate that. Uh, Dreb Scott, Insta Ally, and uh, I think we have a couple more people who may have contributed that aggregate amount. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll find out. You've got to do your own uh, administration for now and uh, email us. Let us know. You can find all the information at mofax.com. Is that clear, Mo? Do you think I did that? Do you think I uh, made that oh, clear what we're doing it's here? It's perfect. Okay. So, just, right. just to, I mean, if I need to tidy up a little bit. Yeah, do it. Uh, for the people that are not listening to the show, they're unaware. Very but the people that are listening to the show are aware, and then you pick up your allyship once you hit the uh, numbers, and then we have other levels as well. So, uh, but it goes to show that you're doing the work, and yes. you could put it in your social media uh, profiles and push back against people saying, "Hey, <laughs> I am I'm an going official to the ally. table and I'm doing to the work." <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's actually more honest. Than uh, the NBA players who have ally on their shirt. I saw. I saw the game. Was it the Utah Jazz against uh, who did the Jazz play? Mo, I haven't. And you know what? I haven't even watched the NBA since. Um, oh man, I had to back up. I had to watch because I wanted to see what they did with the crowds, and it was really weird. They had screens all around the the side, you know, of the court. So in front, you'd have like you know coaches and. You know, socially distanced people. Then on either side, you'd have cheerleaders sitting there, kind of socially distanced. And then you'd have these screens behind them, big screens. And it was like uh, the screens were is a virtual set, and people were using right. their webcam to project their image into their spot in the stands. Which was they're going re- about this all wrong, really going- weird. And then you know, the players had Black Lives Matter, say your name. The one white guy on the floor. 
his <laughs> he said ally. <laughs> You're more ally when you support this show. That was uh, that to me was hilarious. Anyway, I digress. Interesting. I've seen more NBA this season than you have. I, the world has gone crazy. I tell you, uh, <laughs> we dropped down the two hundred dollars from Hunter Jennings, who will be uh, our second uh, executive producer for episode forty-five and a first-time MoFax donor. Uh, had to after episode forty-three and forty-four. Says Hunter, they were super hot fire. Seriously though, amazing work. I'm sharing far and wide, which means you're making people aware of, by doing the work. Just made my f- first donation to No Agenda as well and couldn't leave out this gem of a podcast as well. Uh, keep doing the work and I will do the same. Dealer's Choice on Jingles. Why don't we just hand out a Mo Karma? I think that's well deserved. You've got Mo Karma. Uh, let's see. We have our next uh, executive producer uh, is Santiago Munoz with uh, another, uh, uh, another sack of sticks. One 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 dot one one all five ones in a row. This donation is an appreciation of the education education you guys have provided me. I'm a Ronimo convert. That's catching on, which means someone went from Rogan to No Agenda to Mo Facts and supports all three in the process. I've learned more about race in this country from the podcast than I have in the past twenty years of living in Baltimore. I love how you guys are bringing to light that the establishment is using race to mask the class oppression going on right now. Oppression truly is colorblind. There's something I perceive while growing up in uh, Medellin, Colombia, where classism is very evident. Yeah, (laughs) okay, this is boots on the ground, which leads me to the following Rona update from down south. I'm getting married in October and would like for some of my family members to attend. After talking to my godmother, she informed me that Colombia is not allowing any domestic or international flights, even all the bus terminals are shut down. The economy is in shambles, and they informed me they've never seen this level of violence before, which is saying a lot for people who survived the violence of the 80s and the 90s. Hunger looting is rampant at the moment. I believe this might be one of the front lines for the proxy war against China, uh, with the second most aid coming from the U.S. goes to Colombia just after Israel. Since a war between Colombia and Venezuela seems to be inevitable. Wow. Okay, that's something to pay attention <laughs> to. Boots. Holy moly. That's serious boots on the ground right yeah, there. Yeah, Santiago. Santiago, thank you so much. And and keep us updated on the situation because that's that's one that is definitely not something you can find in the M5M. We need some, some more reporting. And thank you for uh, supporting the show and uh, for being an, an executive producer. Uh, Ryan Shears comes in with 109.99. Mo, this is to make up for the failed pop money transfer. As they say, no good deed goes unpunished. I tried to apply the no agenda logic and cut down on fees instead of following your directions. Please give a woosah to Travis and his daughter because I'd prefer to remain anonymous, but his note pulled me out of the shadows. Each episode gets better and better. Thank you for all of the work and insight. I will keep doing the work. And please send out good vibes for those trying to expand their families. Oh, yeah. The 109.99 is for the other attempted $100 donation. And the 999 is just because. Thanks. And that is from Ryan. And here is the Wusa from uh, Ryan to Travis and his daughter. Wusa. 
our next executive producer. And, and, and let me say something about pop money right quick. They're giving me such a hard time. I, I don't think that's a viable option, but we do have Zelle, which will be rolling out. Uh, and I will be getting a P.O. box in the near future. Oh, good, so good, good, good. There'll be other ways, but pop money, I don't know. They're, they're kind of... Is it they're making it hard? Yeah, they they like block me or something. I can't, you know, get anybody on the phone to get unblocked. So I don't know what's going on there. Oh, brother. Okay. Interesting. Ah, if only I had a great idea on how to fix that. Uh, <laughs> then we have uh, our next executive producer, $100 from John Knowles. Great job, he says. No other note than that. Nicholas McFall, $100, another executive producer. This donation is very late. Every show brings an opportunity to learn about myself and help educate friends. Can't wait to join the table. Uh, I'd like a Mo Karma, Sir Nick of the South Side. You got it. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. Uh, our first associate executive producer, Sean Smith, uh, 9680. Hey, Mo and Adam, loving the show and the information y'all are imparting on the producers. I've learned quite a bit and confirmed some things of research on on my own. Continue the good fight and the thoughtful conversation. Can I get a Woosa Goat Karma? Sean N. Smith says, P.S. Uh, Mo is sending an email with a suggestion for a peerage ranking. Might be a good uh, starting point for the community. Did he, uh, was this part of the, what we uh, what we came up with today? I did a hodgepodge. I did a hodgepodge of all the suggest- suggestions. Uh-huh. And I, I want to say something. Let's bump him up because PayPal hit him with some fees, but we don't do fees around here. So we'll no. give you the full credit what you what you donated. Oh, uh, so oh, I want to make sure he's a, okay. So he become yes. I'll make sure that he is an executive producer and uh, want to make sure everybody gets their their just due. Absolutely. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, that's a very good point. All right. Uh, damn, damn the fees. Uh, yeah. Here's the uh, here's your goat. What do you want? A goat? Uh, a, a goat? A wusa goat karma? Uh, okay, we can do that. <laughs> You've got <laughs> Mo There we go. Hannah Carlson, ninety. Uh, hip hip hooray to a year of Mo facts. Thank you, Mo and Adam, for the outstanding product. Thank you very much, Hannah. Uh, Cameron Rose, seventy six twenty. In the morning, gentlemen. Thank you for doing the work, Adam. Thank you especially for your RSS screw up, which led me to the wonderful discovery of Mo facts. <laughs> wow. Turns out it was one of the best mistakes I made. Please accept my first Ronamo donation, Rogan No Agenda Mo Facts, and D-Douche Me. Yes, uh, we don't really have a, a, a D-Douche. Um, we kind of use Woosa for that, I guess. What Do we want, do, do we want to do a D-Douching? It's, uh, well, we have a term equal to douchebag. Which and, is uh, unaware and aware. On this side, it's, it's no, well, no, we don't. Unaware, you just don't know. Um... Uh, just rolling something out there, deadbeat. Because that definitely has something, uh, <laughs> negative connotations <laughs> in our community. So, deadbeat has to do the work. How about that? Yep. Okay. That works for me. I'm sure someone will send in a deadbeat, uh, sound effect for us. So, that will be on its way uh, by the next show. No doubt. That's how the producers work in the value for value system. It's really great. <laughs> um, Right, so please accept my first time. Ronimo donation, says Cameron Rose. Uh, uh, D-douche me, so hereby we... Uh, D-deadbeat you? Yeah, I yeah, guess D-deadbeat D- 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 you. D-deadbeat. 
So you'll get an official sound of it eventually. And uh, thank you for the hashtag GBG. Give blacks guns and the Second Amendment are the reasons I think everything will work out in my soon-to-be adopted country. Oh, I'm firmly, I firmly believe an armed society is a polite society. I'm looking forward to contributing to that reality. If I can make a suggestion on the peerage question, how about joining the clan or family or tribes or brother or sister? Yeah, well, uh, thank you very much. We've, we definitely have uh, our peerage system set. And you can help us think about more levels. And finally, one. Yes, go ahead. And just, you don't want to have a bunch of people saying I'm joining the clan. No, <laughs> it's not exactly. We need to think this. Lesson one of becoming an American citizen. <laughs> the word clan is to be used very carefully. <laughs> Especially uh, preceded by the word the. So, I mean, you... <laughs> Whole Cameron, Cameron, let us know when you're taking your citizenship test. And congratulations. It's such, so cool. Thank you so much. And kindly requesting moving karma for when I shortly depart for the U.S. with the family. I don't recommend migrating during a pandemic, but I want to see the fireworks in November. Okay, we'll give you all a moving mo karma. Good luck. You've got mo karma. Onward, uh, Joseph Wenzel, Mo and Adam, uh, so glad your podcast exists. I got tuned into Mo's Looking Glass in January of this year. My, how much our world has changed and yet stayed the same. Thanks for episode 32, Nocebo, loved it two times for my value donation, and so many more. Episode 44 comes to mind, especially concerning the Corona Monster Orange Man Bad Keep up the much appreciated work, Mo. Please use some of my donation to take some carrots down those rabbit holes. God bless you too. And buttered biscuits, cat size for all the listeners doing the work. Awusa, please, says Joseph, also known as J Love. And I was thinking we probably uh, could combine those two. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. <laughs> 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 Oh, there you go. Uh, $55, Brian Rogers. Good day to my favorite employees. The work that you guys are doing has led me to rethink my showly donation as more of a payroll expense, considering I don't always have time to do the work for myself. I'm dying to hear the highly anticipated hip-hop episode with Mo's knowledge of the genre and Adam's personal experience with the music industry. I'd like to request little workers, Woosa, as I listen to you guys put in the work while I'm at work, and that's uh, uh, also an associate executive producer donation. Brian, with your 55, thank you very much. Here's your Woosa. Woosa. Rounding out our associate executive producers with Joseph Dratz, who is a convert from JRE to NA, and that's the Ronamo system, Rogan No Agenda, MoFax. I'm an NA douchebag and have a few pennies on account of tiny children and framing our family home on weekends, but was building the deck on Saturday, listening to number 43, and was moved to support. Please know that I donated in lieu of a sheet rocking both sides of my kid's shared bedroom wall, but you have a great perspective that I'm sure they'll survive. We live on Maui, so they won't freeze. Give black guns, give blacks guns, regards Joe. Thank you, Joe. That's a very nice note. Very cool. I'm glad you uh, are. Sorry, kids. Yeah, sorry Sorry for your your lack of drywall. (coughs) Oh, man. Um, uh, cop nominous, cop in cop anonymous, I think. Cop, cop, mm, yes, that's cop it. Cop anonymous. 
just a woos. Woosa sent a, a DM in Twitter, and no need to read it on the show unless you see any useful insight. So just a we actually had a conversation. We actually, oh, yeah, give him a woosah. Oh, good. Very nice. We'd like a good conversation. $50 from Brian Brown. Love your show. Played this song as your opener. Uh, set adrift of memory bliss. That must be PM Dawn, um, obviously. Yep. Well, we didn't choose that for this um, this episode, but you never know. And thank you very much for your support, uh, Brian. Douglas Pilgrim, no note, but $50. And Douglas rounds out our associate executive producers. Now, the rest of our producers, uh, up until uh, the dub, which is $20, we will read the first part of your note. If it's a huge, long note, we're going to have to start curtailing these in the future. But a cult fan comes in with 4545. Mo and Adam, thank you for what you're doing. The real work, Malcolm X, might be impressed. It's a sign of hope and sanity, and I dare even call it evolution at work here. Does the spirit soul, to, uh, does the spirit soul good? Um, let's see. May I please have a Mo Karma and Woosa combo for my super talented Lady Smith girlfriend, JJ's Business, by way of promoting her work. You got to check out the saxophone freakout band. The Comet is coming. Elton John loves them, and they also wear my girlfriend's jewelry. Adam and Mo and all listeners, do yourself a favor and check out her work at Ren de Blanc. That's R E I. R-E-I-N-E, de Blanc, B-L-A-N-C. Thank you for letting me give her the spotlight for a second here. More important, uh, more donations to come so I can earn my ally pass. Yes, your allyship or whatever you end up using for your roundtable. Love the show. If I haven't made myself clear, this is super important. Your ally, occult fan, a.k.a. Nate. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, why don't we do a Wusamo Karma? Sir DH uh, Slam of the God with $45. It's a triple whammy uh, show club donation. Oh, now there's a good point. Very good. Uh, 45 Savage donation ending the Bush Crime Syndicate and .45 ACP for the GBG donation. Yes, that would be the correct caliber. By the way, the first time I was exposed to dub was in reference to 20-inch rims on your whip. Thank you for your courage. Like Goldman Sachs, you're doing God's work. <laughs> DH Slam of the God. Thank you. Yes, you shall be the episode uh, uh, episode recipient. Uh, April Nelson, 3456, $34.56. Hey, Mo, just finished listening to the wonderful episode 44 of Mo Facts. Expertly well done. Eye-opening and plenty of shocking moments. There was a brief mention in one of the clips played in this episode that Obama blocked Keith Ellison from heading the DNC. It may be curious if you've spoken about Ellison uh, at all on MoFax. I haven't listened to yet. If not, would you consider it? I think we spoke about him briefly on the uh, wave. I forget what number that yeah, was. The when third, we laid out the, the third waves. waves. Yeah. Yeah, third wave, I believe. that was. Yeah, that was the show. Excellent. Briefly. But we really didn't dive into him. Okay. Uh, April says, uh, thanks so much for all you do. I can't wait to listen to the rest of the episode and count myself so fortunate to have started listening in the first place. The episode about Minneapolis were especially important to me to help make sense of what happened and is happening here. April, thank you very much. Uh, then we have Chef Elvis Rosenberg, 3333. Great episode, he says. Uh, Gabriel Harrow, $30. Always look forward to new episodes of this podcast because it's so educating. 
There's a documentary I suggest that both you watch and will change how you view the world. I watched all 10 parts, and here there's a lot of evidence provided. I won't say what it's about because the second and third episode almost turned me away, but I kept watching, and it's beyond eye-opening. So I think you will... I will link it here so you both can watch Euro... What is it? Europa... The last battle dot wordpress dot com. Europa the last battle dot wordpress dot com. Okay. And thank you. you check that out. Yeah. And then barely three AM solutions. Three AM solutions. Uh, $25. Thank you. Mark Rudolph, $25. Hey Mo and Adam really love the deconstruction and perspective. The show has been a beacon of sanity in these insane times. Thank you for the inspiring conversations. Benjamin Housen with $25. Uh, sole proprietor at $20. My wife and I love the show. Keep up the good work, you two. Susan uh, Tillett, $20. And Susan says, speaking as a smack dab Gen Xer here, when you guys said doing the work was going to be your period system, I had to stop the tape to donate. <laughs> wow, you, you put it on tape. I love that even better. I think both of you and Ad, I think both you and Adam are on the polar caps of Generation X, but by coming up with that idea, you're both solid Gen Xers in my books. Great job. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Susan. Thank you for supporting it, for helping produce this episode. Jesus Zamudio, uh, our final uh, with a dub, $20. Uh, hey, Mo, my name is uh, JV. I'm the guy that always bugs you on Twitter with the Raider hat. Black Sunday 5150. No, no, bugging. <laughs> no bugging. It's not much, but I, uh, I'm i dropping a dove. A dove. A dub. It says dove. Maybe I don't know. Dub. It's a dub. D-U-B, dub. A dub. Uh, I want to say thank you for schooling this L.A. native, Mexican slash American, uh, more than I ever learned in high school, a cup of coffee in college, and even on my own research. I have an eight-month-old son, and in the future, when history repeats itself and he's old enough to understand, I'm going to have him listen to Atmo Facts with Adam Curry to further educate himself, the same way he listens to the greats today, Malcolm X and them. Whoa. Bring, keep bringing the heat, G. <laughs> and I want to say one thing. It might be Dove in the West Coast, or I remember the uh, Dove, Dove Shack. By LBC, so it might be ah, okay. uh, just a regional difference. We already have so East say Coast, West Coast yeah. crap going down. I love it. All right. <laughs> uh, JV, Jesus, thank you so much for that. And then under the dubs, we've got um, Adam Colby. Thank you, Adam, with $15. Uh, Sammy uh, Minkinen with eleven eleven. Stephen McConnell with eleven eleven. James Holly with $10. Uh, John Fletcher, Fletcher, $9.99. And finally, Terry Keller with $4.11. Thank you all so much for producing episode 45. 45 Savage is the topic of today's MoFax with Adam Curry. Without you, it could not be done. And we expect you to come back if you found any value and help us for our next show. To do that, go to MoFax.com. Uh, or if you want to go directly to the donation page, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com, MoFundMe.com. And thank you again for producing episode 45 of MoFax with Adam Curry. All right, so we let off. Uh, the last clip was the pro wrestling storytelling. Yep. And I think this is one of the greatest strengths that Donald Trump has is his storytelling ability. I have to admit, one of my guilty pleasures was uh, in 2016, and I can't wait till they start up again, is to listen to Donald Trump's uh, rallies. Uh, whenever he has a rally, I will come in, 
put my headphones in and listen to it from beginning <laughs> to end and laugh and just chuckle. and laugh. Yeah. Now, do you do you just it, listen? It bring me such great joy. Do you, I mean, it's, do you for listen? Some do you, reason. Do you, is it just the audio, or do you uh, do you have to see the video as well? I, I always like to see the video because the the looks yeah, he gives, he, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's a full he, presentation. He, yeah, I mean, but it, hearing him is enough. But seeing him is just it's hilarious. It's <laughs> He's a slash stand-up comic slash wrestler slash, I mean, whatever you want to put there. And it's the perfect heel. And it was even more pleasurable when you, everybody knows my disdain for Hillary Clinton and her policies. So even to hear that, it was like, well, you're not getting my vote, but I will. <laughs> but I like <laughs> I your show. I like the show. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. you get some tangibles, you know what I'm saying? We might could talk because you, you're on the right path of what you're, um, with, with the show with your show uh, exactly you got my attention with your show <laughs> precisely and just to show how great of a storyteller is it doesn't matter the subject he can make dishwashers and appliances sound interesting i brought back the old light bulb better light for much less money <laughs> if you want it right little thing. right Somebody said, oh, sir, don't mention the light bulb. You know, it's hard to make an elegant speech. I'm saying I brought back the light bulb. So the new light bulb costs you five times as much, and it makes you look orange. It's true. And I was more interested in the orange than I was in the cost. But I'm also approving new dishwashers that give you more water so you can actually wash and rinse your dishes without having to do it 10 times. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Anybody have a new dishwasher? I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. It's worthless. We won't talk about toilets, but you know that's a, 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 a 10, 15, but we don't talk about that because I've said this three or four times. The only subject they ever talk about is toilets, so I don't mention toilets. <laughs> but how about the shower? You go into a shower and I have this beautiful head of hair. I need a lot of water. <laughs> It is a show. Light bulbs, dishwashers, showers. Showers. <laughs> orange hair, beautiful hair. <laughs> or, or, no, orange lighting. Orange, the light bulbs make you look orange. You orange. Which is, if that's not gas lighting, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's fantastic. I hadn't heard that one. That's really good. <laughs> so, going back to the narcissism uh, conversation we were having, you, we pointed out Depends on who he's talking to. If he uh, displays those traits of uh, narcissism or not, yes. and I think Dick Dick Gregory has an explanation why that may be the case. The, the few weeks first, Trump there's saw. two Trumps. Okay, the one in the red ties, the real one. The one in the blue ties, not the one you saw last night after the victory was the blue tie. Hmm. Now, if you would punch up uh, Dr. Carson, Ben Carson, when Trump called him a pedophile, and the next day he joined Trump, and the guy asked him, see, every now and then you slip and say, sir, he said, what'd you do to He says, it's two Trumps. 
<laughs> I was with the good one. <laughs> you see it there? Just, just punch up. Uh, uh, when, when somebody interviewed him, he said, "This to Donald Trump." That's, that's easy to pull up. Okay. I was googling Ben Carson pedophile. Hmm. I was googling the wrong thing. No, he called him that the day before. So you know he got something on him if he's going to make him the next day say, I join you. Dr. Ben Carson, there are two Donald Trumps. There it is. (laughs) 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 So I had to go back and pull the clip of Trump uh, calling or comparing Ben Carson to a pedophile. Yes, thank you. Carson's an enigma. He wrote a book. And he's doing great in Iowa. He's second in the polls. With all these professional politicians, I'm first, Carson second. And I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Because he wrote a book, and in the book he said terrible things about himself. He said that he's pathological and that he's got basically pathological disease. (laughs) If you're pathological, there's no cure for that, folks. Okay? There's no cure for that. And I did one of the shows today. And I don't want to say what I said, but I'll tell you anyway. I said (laughs) that if you're a child molester, a sick puppy, you're a child molester, there's no cure for that. There's only one cure. We don't want to talk about that cure. That's the ultimate cure. No, there's two. There's death and the other thing. (laughs) Then here's the beauty of all. He took a knife and he went after a friend and he lunged. He lunged that knife into the stomach of his friends. But lo and behold, it hit the belt. It hit the belt. (laughs) And the knife broke. I'd forgotten all about that story with the knife and the belt buckle. Holy crap. Yeah. We've been through so and much. It wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't 24 hours. Like, now, I want to put Ben Carson on the hook, but he did. If somebody likens you to a pedophile, you can't do business with them. I mean, it's it just got to be certain rules. Um, oh, but man. just to run down a couple of lists before we get to Ben Carson's reply. <clears throat> Remember Carly Fiorino? Look at her face. It's like, look oh. At, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, yeah. Look at her face. Uh, you had little Marco. You had little Marco in the bubble, bubble boy, which he wasn't talking about like a bubble. He was talking about the bubbles. Oh, of yeah, those yeah. Uh, Miami parties that, uh, yeah, yeah, that he used to dance in. And then Ted Cruz. We all talk about Ted Cruz saying his dad worked with uh, the uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> yes. And all of them came back no sooner than like a week and uh, no longer than a week and kissed the ring. Because they want to be, they want, it's better to be in the show than not at all. Yes. It could be that or it could be something else. But let's listen to uh, Carson kiss the ring. I think the Republican Party particularly would be very wise not to adopt, uh, let's stop this guy and let's promote this guy policy, but rather uh, start thinking about what are the things that are going to be helpful for America. There are two different Donald Trumps. There's the one you see on the stage, and there's the one who's very 
uh, cerebral, sits there and considers things very carefully. You can have a very good conversation with him. Um, and that's the Donald Trump that you're going to start seeing more and more of right now. I think there are two Donald Trumps. There's the public version, and people see that, and uh, I don't know what they see exactly, but <laughs> it seems to have worked over my lifetime. But uh, it's probably different, I think, than the personal Donald Trump. I think Ben would say that. Ben said it very well today. So perhaps there are two Donald Trumps. But, uh, well, I, I, you know, I'm somebody that is a thinker. I'm a big thinker. Why are there two Donald Trumps? Did you at some point make a conscious decision to behave differently in part? I don't think there are two Donald Trumps. I think there's one Donald Trump, but certainly you have, uh, you know, look, all of this. And More you have somebody else that sits yeah. and reads and thinks. And I'm a thinker. And I have been a thinker. Big brain. And perhaps people don't think of me that way because you don't see me in that forum. But I am a thinker. I thought it was very nice what Ben said, actually, because uh, it is another side <laughs> of me. I, I'm a very deep thinker. Unbelievable. He 24 could. hours later. Unbelievable. That is so cool. And that goes to show you about why when we were taking the narcissism test, we had such varied answers because it's like, which Trump are you talking about? Are we talking about red Trump? Right, red tie right, Trump right, or blue tie Trump? Private Trump or public Trump? Which it, I think pub, privately he's very loyal. Yeah. But publicly he puts off an air like you cross me. It's the worst thing you could ever do. And even Omarosa alluded to that. <laughs> yeah. And her clip about becoming the most powerful man, I think, in the universe, yep, is what she said. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Wow. I th- this explains a lot of things, but I'm just trying to figure out what does he say to these people that make them bend so easy? So we say there's two Trumps, right? And I don't know if you know this or not, but Trump's sign is a Gemini. Well, yes, which means he's a uh, two-faced. These two faces. What are those two faces? The laugh now, cry later. Yep. Those are the symbols of the jester. <sighs> Mo, you got to stop this now. <laughs> what you are, what you have done right here. I'm just going to say. I'm just going to take a break. Everybody, slow down. What Mo <laughs> is doing is is empowering every single one of us, and I'm and I'm thankful personally because I'm tired. And, you know, I've since 2015. I've followed him. I've uh, I've analyzed him. Uh, the the Rona lockdown period became very tough, especially when he was doing a news conference every day. Uh, Tina, the keeper, she OD'd. She's like, I can't, I can't handle anymore the narcissism. Once you see it in the context of the red, the red tie, blue tie. And mm-hmm. the context of the show, I think it's much healthier for for Seek every individual. To to be a, Once you understand, to be understood. yeah, then <laughs> then you can be at ease and maybe even you know look ahead one step and understand what's going on. This is great. Okay, so I'm sorry, I just wanted to interrupt you there. So now we're back to the jesters. Thirty eight. So this is really built, this story is built around a jester. Tell us why. What, what is the, for those who don't really know, what is the role of the jester in literature, in, you know, in society throughout sort of, you know, history? 
Well, the jester is a strange character that shows up in early modernity literature of the 16th, 17th century, the jester or the trickster, and he's a master of escape, and he's usually a strange, half funny and half dark mean figure who plays pranks, but then is also great at escaping and who is also very good at, uh, well, things like conjuring or dancing or in, in, in the case of my jester, uh, Till Ullenspiegel dancing on a tightrope. So he's a lot about escaping and surviving in very dark times. And he's someone, I think that might be the most important thing. You never know what he's going to do. Uh, he's kind of, there's always some uh, aura of uh, unpredictability around him. And anything is possible where the gesture is. Nails it again. <laughs> and he talks about dancing. He talks about dancing on that tightrope. Trump lives day to day. It's a 24-hour cycle, right? He wakes up in the morning. And I noticed this. This is why I really noticed, like, he's in control of this whole thing. Because he will wake up. This is during election time. I mean, election Trump is a little bit different from uh, governing Trump. So we're we're mostly talking about, because we're about to get back into the election Trump again here. uh, As soon as things kind of open up. But what he did is he would wake up 3, 4 o'clock in the morning supposedly or have somebody send it out or it's a schedule tweet and he will say some of the most inflammatory statement and by six o'clock news he had walked it back to something being something reasonable so here's and, here's, and, and, and i was gonna say here's a recent example shall i move the election date which was completely intended to get the conversation about mail-in voting started again yes and he totally manipulated that and everybody took the bait. He's crazy. He's going to push it back. And then they come, then he, through Kaylee McEnany, his spokeshole, says, and by the way, very irresponsible that, uh, what is it, Iran or some other country, that they're talking about delaying their election. Very irresponsible that country is doing that. It, it, it You could <laughs> see the brain freeze happening. Like, what, 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 what? And he always walks you into that trap. It's of he has the answer or the rebuttal lined up. Yeah. It's just and what and what did the guy say from the wrestling? He said when you have a story, you start at the end. Right. So he knows how it's gonna end (laughs) and he works the story up to the beginning. So he's like with the birther. He's like, I know how it's gonna end. I can blame Hillary Clinton for putting this thing together. I'll kick it out there and I'll know how it ends and he works it back to the beginning. This it's, it's a beautiful formula that he uses. Really I hope is. people appreciate <laughs> what they're <laughs> the what they're witnessing. Yes, yes. And it's a and formula a that gesture you can... is another word for Joker as well. I didn't want that to be mixed on people. And Joker, Batman, Dark Knight. I yep. mean, we have all these other uh comparisons. That's when you saw the movie Joker come out, people were thinking that was gonna be a ode to Trump. So there's something going on there with uh, Trump and the gestures and the and the Joker uh, analogy and the trickster. 
So it might sound a little bit like cognitive dissonance then, because you talk about, you know, the conjuring, the magic, the, the, the jest, the jokes, wow. etc. And yet you set this historical novel in one of the darkest periods in European history, the 30 year war um, in the 1600s. What brought you to put Till, this jester, at the heart of, of this novel? I really wanted to write about this time, this time of darkness and chaos and, and, and in a moment in uh, European history when there was a complete meltdown of all political structure, of order, of civilization. And I wanted some kind of guiding character who could uh, lead the reader through this chaos that Europe was at this moment. And society was very rigid. People didn't really move. The people didn't travel. People also didn't move up or down socially. So people from different social classes didn't meet. But a jester can, of course, go anywhere and also would meet all kinds of people. He would also meet kings or uh, peasants or anyone in between because he would perform in front of them. Oh, man. <laughs> this is great. Well done, sir. Very well done. And well played. Can I ask you a question, Adam? Yeah, sure. What's the highest card in a deck of cards? Uh, the uh, ace? The joker. <laughs> I thought it was the old maid, honestly, but okay. I'll, I'll, I'll no, it, take yeah, the it's, the jo it's the Joker. It's the big Joker, the little Joker. Always, and then you have the yeah, aces and yeah. the kings. No, you're right. And the reason why the Joker is the most powerful because he can, the king can, can tell him the narrative and he'll go educate the commoners. <sighs> wow. So it's interesting when the king is the Joker. Yeah. Exactly. And he said one more thing I want to point out. Now, on a previous show, I think on uh, Nocebo, yes. we talked about the media working spells, conjuring spells. What did he say about the gesture? He's very good at conjuring. Conjuring Donald memes. Trump underst yeah. He understands the media like the back of his hand. That's his real brilliance. Yeah. He understands the media cycle. He understands how people receive the media and that he conjures his spells fantastic you're so right you're so, <laughs> so right man that's great and the biggest joker of them all is loki from the norse uh, mythology in the story the master builder um odin the most powerful norse god proposes a wall to keep out the giants and the trolls i suppose it made me laugh with the sort of contemporary um political reference to donald trump's wall but also is it a reminder that mankind huh. has been building walls and trying to keep the enemy out for for centuries in myth as well as in reality i mean how do you think history and mythology helps us make sense of the great ructions going on in western politics politics at the moment. Well, I mean, it is absolutely fascinating that the way you have this story in which Odin goes, we need a giant wall around Asgard to keep all the giants out. And actually, he winds up getting a giant to build the wall and, and is determined to make the giants pay for it. Um, so which may well be where Donald Trump got the idea. Holy crap. Are you <laughs> kidding me now? Are you kidding me now? It's true. Hello. It's true. That's true. Hold on, Adam. Uh, no. Now let's go very. Let's go back to the very beginning. If we talked about Bertha, Obama, Trump. Mm -hmm. So if Trump is Loki, then Obama has to be Thor. 
What was Loki always saying? Thor got all the praise. Mm -hmm. And that's what made Loki bitter. What do we say about Trump and his relationship with his father? (sighs) He always was seeking the praise of Of his his father. Always looking for the praise. Did we see something bigger play out here in this whole... I mean, because these people on this level, when we get on that level, <laughs> well, also, all the world is a stage. Also, Obama's dreams from my father. There's so many different things, and there's so many things, and this is wrapped <laughs> up. It's just the same old darn stories told over again. This is great. Over and over and over when again. When will we so- ever learn, Mo? Oh, wait. We learned on episode 45 of MoFax with Adam Curry. So what we have to look into is more deeper into who Loki was. And let's look into the myth of Loki. Oskalta, a realm of wonders, was where the Norse gods made their home. There, Othan's great hall of Valhol towered above the mountains and Bifrost, the rainbow bridge, anchored itself. But though their domain was magnificent, it stood undefended from the giants and trolls of Jotunheimr, who despised the gods and sought to destroy them. One day, when Thor, strongest of the gods, was off fighting these foes, a stranger appeared, riding a powerful gray horse. The visitor made the gods an astonishing offer. He would build them the greatest wall they'd ever seen, higher than any giant could climb, and stronger than any troll could break. All he asked in return was the beautiful goddess Freya's hand in marriage, along with the sun and moon from the sky. The gods balked at this request and were ready to send him away. But the trickster Loki concocted a devious plan. He told the gods they should accept the stranger's offer, but set such strict conditions that he would fail to complete the wall in time. That way, they would lose nothing while getting most of the wall built for free. (laughs) We'll have 400 miles done. We got to keep it going. Crap. And he said that he'll, he'll make them figure out how to pay it. Yeah, of and course Mexico's going to pay for it. Yes, of course. <laughs> but it'll never And that's get how done. he began his election. And that's how he built he began his election. Remember uh, coming out saying about Mexico okay. and All right. the so, people there. Yeah. So when does the snake story fit into all this? You know his story? Oh, the, oh yeah, the, the woman? Yes. With, with, the, with, the, the, with the snake? That's got to be another part of this uh, this whole dynamic. It it does, and that's like I said, that's another story for another day because sure. that goes to talk about what him and Kaye was talking about the serpent energy. Like right. I said, these people communicate on a certain level, um, that they understand each other because just in my viewpoint, and this is just my viewpoint, and it may be uh theremin uh uh ready, but I think the fact that I think they all are high level witches and warlocks. And they understand the, <laughs> they understand the craft. You had me at witches and mani- warlocks. Yeah. <laughs> A manipulation. Well, not only that, but you know they're they're really squ- they really understand how to <laughs> how to work this. It, it's kind of like it's another version of the Illuminati symbolism. Only it's much simpler. It is the Illuminati. It, it's just a different flavor. A, All the yes. gods are the same stacked up on top of each other. It's just the same story repeated over and over and over and over again. 
I'm enjoying it this time around. I can't wait until someone tells me the story <laughs> next time. I really enjoy it. So before we hear this last clip, which is the last clip, now let's keep in mind with uh, what they said about the storytelling. Yep. They said the heel knows in his storytelling the end first, and then they build the story up to meet the ending. Right. Listen how Loki handles the problem with the wall. With only three days left until summer, the wall stood high and impenetrable, with only the gate left to be built. Horrified, the gods realized that not only would they lose their fertility goddess forever, but without the sun and moon, the world would be plunged into eternal darkness. They wondered why they'd made such a foolish wager, and then remembered Loki and his terrible advice. Suddenly, Loki didn't feel so clever. All of his fellow gods threatened him with an unimaginably painful death if he didn't find some way to prevent the builder from getting his payment. So Loki promised to take care of the situation and dashed away. Outside, night had fallen, and the builder prepared to set off to retrieve the final load of stones. But just as he called Svadilfari to him, a mare appeared in the field. She was so beautiful that Svadilfari ignored his master and broke free of his reins. The mason tried to catch him, but the mare ran deep into the woods, and Svadilfari followed. The stranger was furious. He knew that the gods were behind this and confronted them. No longer as a mild-mannered mason, but in his true form, as a terrifying mountain giant. This was a big mistake. Thor had just returned to Oskarth, and now that the gods knew a giant was in their midst, they disregarded their oaths. The only payment the builder would receive, and the last thing he would ever see, was the swing of Thor's mighty hammer, Mjolnir. <laughs> All right, break it down for everybody. So he he knew from the very beginning how to expose this stranger that came in and, and, and agreed to build the wall. Right. Now, I'm not saying wall literally in Trump's case, but he's been doing all his deals with China. Mm-hmm. And he knew the linchpin to pull to fully expose them. So, I mean, it seems like, oh, it's chaotic. You know, it's, it's, the world's coming to an end, but he's like, no, 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 no. Watch this. Hold my beer. What? Right. I know how this is going to end before it even gets started. And it's going to end up being the Chinese flu that came from a Chinese lab that was lab created, and he allowed it to happen. Yeah. This, like I said, when they for, say 40 chess, people like to throw that word around and... This dude knows exactly what's going on and nothing by accident. All you have to, all you have to say is Loki and the master builder. That's it. <laughs> That's all you got to say. And then you got to say if you don't understand how Trump relates to Loki and the master builder, you need to be doing the work, my friend. I'm surprised you right. you have not used your privilege to do the work properly and become aware by going to mofax.com. I'm shocked by your unawareness. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite disgusting mo very enjoyable episode this will this will uh, help a lot of people with their mental state when they just can't stand it anymore they'll think back to this episode maybe even listen to it again for a refresher and it's almost like the disneyland when you're on the ride and it starts to spin in the tunnel and you're like oh if and they always say if if it's spinning if you don't feel good just look at the ground and it all goes away. Right. 
<laughs> That's basically what this episode was. <laughs> just just listen to this. All the spinning will stop. That's fan. I I I personally really appreciate this one. And the looking at the ground here is, as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. Mofax.com. Go directly to our donation page at mofundme.com. M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M. Mo, thank you so much. We will see you next week, my friend. All right. See you later, Adam. And we leave you with the one and only chairman of the board. We will now do the national anthem, but you needn't rise. And now, the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll make it clear, I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. Traveled each and every highway More, more than this I did it my way Regrets, I've had a few But then again Too few to mention I did what I had to do I saw it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along the byway And the more Much more I did it my way For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not To say the things he truly feels And not the words of one who I took the blow and did it my